Hey, everybody, you're listening to Karen Disapproves. I'm your host, Chelsea Coons. I just got done speaking to one of the most interesting people I've ever encountered. Her story is wild. It's like a movie unfolding right in front of you. Her name's Cece Hendrickson. She's a former polygamist. Uh, she was a member of the FLDS Church, who is run by Warren Jeffs. Um, her story is riveting, and there's times that you're going to need to get your Kleenex because it's heartbreaking yet victorious. We are going to learn everything from what it was like growing up and having a new mom come in and what that dynamic shift was like in her household to um, becoming being a child, going from child to bride at 16 uh, marrying a 34-year-old man and what that dynamic was like, being the second wife and coming into that home, uh, having children, and then falling in love with a man she was not supposed to be falling in love with. Whoa. And also her transition out of the church into the real world, uh, living in her car, nine months pregnant, in the cold, fighting to have her children. Guys, I'm not even kidding you. I talked to her for almost three hours and every second of it was, I was on the edge of my seat. I, I'm very ADHD. So for me to be able to focus for that long is usually a task, but it flew. I could have easily talked to her for eight hours. Anyway, guys, enjoy it. I know you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. Kevin, this approves. <laughs> okay, so Cece Hendrickson. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy that you agreed to talk to me. Um, first of all, how many kids do you have? Because you said they're still awake. So do you have older kids? Yes, I do. My oldest is 16, almost 17. And then my baby is almost eight months. So oh, wow. and then how so then how many total are there? There's six. There's yep. six. Six. Yep. So you have a really interesting story because you were actually raised in the FLDS church. So I'm, I'm so curious. So you actually lived in Short Creek, right? Yes, that's what they call it, the town, yeah. Okay, and that is basically, it's a town that was founded by the FLDS church that was sort of yep. in the middle of nowhere. And it was a way they could sort of isolate and not be part of like the main society. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's exactly right. And there was other communities as well that that were a part of the same group. There was one in Canada, one in Salt Lake, the Salt Lake area, and many other places. Okay. Um, but but Short Creek was like the gathering place. So and were you born and raised in Short Creek? I was. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. And then and that's also where Warren Jeffs lived. Is that correct? Um. Not the whole time. No, he was actually from the Salt Lake area. Okay. So yeah. for a period of time, was he out there? Yeah, there there was a short period of time where he was there. And then he left and started the Texas um, group. I mean, the Texas branch, I guess. Okay, right, right. And the Texas group is pretty like famous for having been raided several yeah. years back. And mm -hmm. Um, children were taken. There was like 200 children or something. Yeah, there was, was a, a, there was a lot. Amount. Yeah, there yes. was a lot. Yes. Which actually, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it a little more. I ended up instilling a lot of fear and probably helped people double down sort of in their faith and really commit because they were kind of scared of the government. Were, after yeah. That. Afraid, afraid of that happening. I mean, the only thing you had to cling to really was 
was that if I pray hard enough, then that won't happen to me, Mm -hmm. you know, unless God wants it to, then it will. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 It's like, um, um, confirmation bias sort of. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, um, that's really how it was, you know, like if, if it happened, then it was because God, God wanted us to go through that. And, you know, but, but if we pray hard enough, then maybe he won't make us go through. Okay. I just love you right off the bat because so, you know, that I told you that I was raised Mormon Mm -hmm. and, and there's some similarities. Um, I mean, there's a lot of similar, we we all kind of come down from the line of Joseph Smith. So we have a lot of the same lingo. And so when you're talking about like, when you're talking about prayer, I'm like, I know exactly. Cause that's exactly how I was raised to be like, you know, I'm going to pray this doesn't happen, but if it does happen, it's because it was meant to happen. It's it's crazy. I have had to totally like literally forget everything that I thought was the way it was supposed to be and like start completely over. Girl, I feel you. And it's weird doing that in your thirties. Look at it. Like I am starting completely over, you know, I want to build from ground zero. And you do, you kind of go like, you know, I came to a point where I was like, I don't believe in anything. I believe in nothing Mm -hmm. like me. I, that's the only person that I believe in. And that's, that's how it was for a long time. Yeah. And you're pretty damn great. I believe in you too, girl. I would believe, I believe in you right now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But that's interesting because I have a friend kind of going through this whole faith deconstruction and it's that's the thing. She's kind of down to the bare, like mm-hmm. the base. And like, I just need to learn to kind of believe in myself for a little bit and yeah. trust my voice instead of the voice of everybody else telling yeah. me what's right, what's wrong. And just believe that like, if I'm still, I can hear my own voice and so I can start believing in my own intuition a little bit more than I used to anyway. Yeah. So. That's so true because, you know, and there was a time where I'm like, it's been a long time since I've heard my own intuition say something to me and me actually believe it. Yeah. You know, I got, I got to that point where it was like, wow, it has been so long. If ever, if I actually like moved on my intuition, yeah. it's like, I had to go and learn how to do that. We just went there right off the bat, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was bound to happen at some point. <laughs> I want to know how your um, parents got involved with the FLDS church. So they were born into it. Okay. And their parents, I believe their parents were born into it. My mom's, my mom's mom might've not been born into it. Actually. Mm -hmm. I think she was brought into it by her mom, but -hmm. she wasn't born into it. Okay. So it goes, you know, it goes generations back when people, even like some of the questions, like someone was like, why would you choose that life? Why would you just on purpose go join a, a polygamous cult, you know, and I was like, I most definitely would not do that. I don't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah. It's not that simple. It's not, especially when you're born, it's not a choice when you're born into it. No, it's all, it's literally all, you know, Yeah, like that's what, you know, your parents did it, their parents did it and their parents did it. Like it's, it's mm. not, and should I do this or not? It's, yeah. it's, you do it like that's And their yeah. worldview is your worldview because that's just, I mean, they're, they're the ones who taught you how to have a worldview, you know, what yeah, your worldview you don't you get, should be. I mean, even questioning it is already like a sin. Like it's a, it's a sin yes. to 
question the authority there. Like you don't, that was one of their quotes, you know, um, God and the prophet always do right. You don't question it ever. Yes. And so, so I know, okay. So tell me if it's similar to mainstream Mormonism where mainstream Mormonism, you are allowed to question, um, you're allowed to take something and pray about it and ask if it's right. And they, so that's kind of how they tell you, well, you're making this decision for yourself and you always can ask God and ask God if this is good, if this is true, if the prophet says something and uh, you can take that to God and ask God if it's right. Did you, were you ever encouraged to do that at all? Not really. No. In fact, their main thing was your priesthood head or you know, your it would be, it depends on where you were at in life, but whether it be your dad or your, your husband, I guess, um, was, they were called priesthood heads mm-hmm. and they were the ones that got those inspirations for you. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So never, it is kind of different that way. Okay. It, yes. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. They are different. Mm-hmm. And that's why there are so many people that, that live Mormonism, like they, that are still a part of, you know, the LDS church is, they they're okay with that mm-hmm. where with FLDS, I feel like there's way more control, mm-hmm. way, way more. I'm talking what leg you put in your jeans first, what hand you pump, um, soap into I'm talking wow. details of your life. Wow. Yeah. Was it, was it always like that? Cause from what no. I have heard and read is it, yeah, it was what kind of when yeah. Warren Jeff sort of took control. Mm-hmm. It, it changed very much when he took control. It it became way more dictated mm-hmm. and controlled, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, wow. So that, and, and because his father, from what I understand, his father was in like a coma or not doing well and unable to get up and prophesy in front of the congregation. Mm-hmm. So he sort of went to his dad and his dad would tell him what to say to the congregation. Is that right? He's like the middle that's man. what was going on. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. believe that was, I don't believe that. I think that's what was going on. Um, that's what it appeared to be like to the people to this day. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know if his dad was actually telling him to say those things or if he was just doing it, you know, to the people, mm-hmm. it was always, well, father said this, his father to said to say this, you know, it was presented that way. And of course the people are going to listen. Mm-hmm. So it was presented that way on purpose, you know, whether he was saying to do it or not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you were born into it. Yes. And your, how many, how many moms did you have? Um, so when I was there, I had three right after I left the household, my dad took another woman. So there was four altogether. When you say left the household, do you mean when you got married? Yeah. I or co- when, when I went into my, I, I guess married. Yeah. It, I don't like to call it married. Cause I never got married. You were never but, legally married. No, I was okay. never legally married. So I don't okay. even like to call it married, even though that's the way people understand it. So I guess, yeah. So when I moved out, got married, then my dad took another woman just a few months afterwards. And we were the same age. Got it. Got it. So what were some of the ways that you guys lived differently from the rest of society? 
Oh, where do you start with that? That's, that's a huge question. Um, everything was different. Yeah. Um, Everything. Did they ever use the line? You're a a peculiar people. Um, that's what they, that's what we, we always got. And I'm like, is it the same for you guys? Cause that was, I don't remember that line (laughs) in particular, but there was one, there was, well, not one time, but there was a many times that the leader would say, remember that they're the weird ones. Meaning the people not in the community were the weird ones. Remember, we're the normal ones and they're the weird ones. Like solid argument, solid yeah. argument. <laughs> like you can't really argue with that. Like, <laughs> like uh, okay. Like, or you gotta you gotta live in the world, not of the world. Is that the right order? Did you ever get that one? No, because we didn't live in the world. Oh, oh, good. We Real good point. That's a solid yeah. point. Okay. They did not live in the world. I mean, the men went out and worked in the world, like on construction companies and earned money, mm-hmm. but the women for sure were not allowed to do that. Like yeah. not, not really. There was probably a few that would go work like at a local hospital mm-hmm. or something like that. But for I the think, most part, I think one one big difference people just immediately see right off the bat with the FLDS church is that the members wear, they dress very differently than mainstream society. So you have these pioneer outfits on a lot of times there's a braid. A lot of times there's like a poof wave. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can spot, you know, someone who is FLDS from a mile away, you go to Costco Mm -hmm. and there's like, you know, they always have like four shopping carts full of stuff. And, (laughs) There's a lot of kids kind of almost like dressed like cowboys. The boys are sort of look like cowboys maybe. And the girls look like like pioneers. So I'm curious though, if there is a reason for that particular style, if there is religious symbolism with the way, cause I do notice like there's like different levels of hair. Like some people have like a braid and then there's like some people have a giant poof. If there was like some kind of like peacocking with the hair a little bit. (laughs) They never talked about that. Um, It was, it, it just kind of evolved over time. It didn't start like that. Mm -hmm. It just, it was like the girls just started doing them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't even know really the reason the reason behind that like it was like a like a fashion statement it wasn't ever like a it wasn't a religious statement it was a fashion statement not not the hair the braids yes um oh okay I, I don't well that. actually I don't know if that was a religious statement or not but they did not want your hair down okay like they no hair down you had to do your hair up um even there was a lot of people uh, dads or mm-hmm. men I guess that didn't want their women or their daughters to do their hair any like their hair had to be braided and stop at the base of their neck it couldn't it couldn't continue down oh so Um, it can't just be one long braid I swear I've seen that but maybe I maybe um, I haven't seen that actually maybe I've seen the braid and then it's like tucked under maybe that's what I've seen okay that's how it goes um and if you did wear your hair down in a braid um I mean for me anyway my dad would always like tell someone go tell her to braid her hair tighter or mm-hmm. get her hair off her neck or whatever. So to one of the siblings growing yeah, up or was this other people's kids, cousins, or you just more in the family, you would tell. Yeah. More in the family. Like if he saw you from a distance, he'd be like, Hey, go tell her to braid her hair up tighter or her oh, cause it would be hanging down too low. Yeah. 
Like if you and, continued the braid to, you know, you've seen those braids that like carry on down their back or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was too low and too loose for him. Wow. I did not know. Okay. This is new to me. Okay. So I thought there was something happening with the poof, but that's no, just I, I stylish, don't, very vogue. It very was about all that. they could, right? <laughs> that's about all they could do. You know, like what else can you do? There's only so much you can do with your hair when you have to yeah. wear it on your head. Like, and to be an individual. Well <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's true. So like what to have individualism with your style, was there any, cause do you don't do makeup, right? No makeup. Huh? Okay. What is the, so what's the reasoning for all of this? What's the reasoning for the outfit? What's the reasoning for the hair not being below the shoulder? Um, it was more of a, a, a humility thing, like to keep, to keep you humble and focused on, um, the things that were important there, which were, mm-hmm. you know, you were a servant. Mm-hmm. You were a servant. That's what you were. You were there to serve your family. You were there to serve the children, the husband, like that's what your mission was. You were born to do that. That's, that's what you're taught as a, as a daughter from day one, you, you are a servant. Oh, wow. So, okay. It was to keep you humble, you know, keep you humble, Not, keep you focused. On- yeah. Because if you had makeup and, um, all these different things that you could wear, mm-hmm it was a distraction, you know, isn't there a scripture to somewhere? I, it's been a while, something about like, you don't want to be loud in your appearance and in your behavior. Yeah. Like that was another thing, laughing loudly. Um, anything like that was worldly. Okay. And they called it like being light-minded. Like if you were laughing too much, you were called, it's called being light-minded, which was there, was there a punishment if you were laughing too hard or, um, not necessarily, but you would be told not to, like, you need to, um, sober up is what they'd say. You sober need to sober up, up hmm. and I start uh, telling my kids that sober up. <laughs> <laughs> going to start taking all this terminology and applying it to my kids. <laughs> it's almost like to, to laugh was like, as if you were drinking or something, you need to sober up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, and the men as well, the men couldn't, or I don't know. That's a hard one. Cause I really feel like a man could go into public and you're sort of just like, okay, maybe he works on a farm. I mean, yeah, the women, it, it's very obvious. The men, it's a well, little harder to tell. I mean, it, and it's funny because back when I first moved out of my dad's house and everything like back then the guys did wear like some printed shirts that was small print, but they still, so you couldn't really just pick them out of the crowd as easily as you can mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying, like they yeah. did, they did kind of go buy their clothes. They, they yeah. went to the store and bought clothes from like JC Penney's or whatever. And so you couldn't pick the men out. could, but not the, yeah, the women. Men could. Yeah. No, I mean, I think when there was a few women that did, mm-hmm. um, and they got away with it. Like a lot of them did. They, they wore certain things and dressed their kids a certain way, but there came a point when they were like, okay, no more. You need to, everybody needs to wear dresses with collar and cuffs on the sleeve and just like they had to be a certain length so many inches from the floor Mm -hmm. so and were people wearing garments underneath them yes I just just think about how hot oh it's so hot were you just so hot all the time sometimes I mean there was layers like layers you were 
what they call long johns. I don't know if you know what that is. They don't, they don't yeah. call them that there. They they're like, it, yeah, they're just like pajama, almost like pajama underwear. Yeah. They call it long yeah. underwear there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's long johns out here. Cause they literally go from your wrist to here, to your ankles. And it's one piece and it's mm-hmm. made out of white knit. Wow. And that you wear that under your clothes. Yeah. You guys have to wear garments swimming. We didn't swim. Oh, so I've seen people here in Utah at the pool, polygamous families at the pool, but they're wearing long sleeve shirts and they're wearing pants in the pool. I was trying to think, well, I can't say we didn't, for the most part, we didn't swim. There were times thinking back now, I take that back. We didn't, we did swim at times. There was times like uh, we actually did. Our family lived in Vegas for five years. Oh yeah. There was a time there where we had lots of jobs and um, stuff down there in Vegas. So we just moved the family there mm-hmm. and lived. Was there. this the family that you grew up in or the family no. that you ended up marrying into? Yeah. The, the family okay. I married into. So okay. we moved to Vegas for about five years and we rented a house there that had a pool. And so I guess, yeah, we had pools and we would wear, we would just wear our, our clothes. Yeah. Okay. So not like actual swimming suits. So you're wearing, no, you're no, wearing no, no. clothes. Okay. No, we never, kids? no, okay. there was never an occasion where we showed skin okay. ever. I mean, you know, <laughs> what about sex? Are you allowed to take it off for sex? No, I'm just like, so curious. Girl um, talk. Are you was it allowed the- to come off then? Yes. Okay. All right. In most situations, I have heard a few that were like, no, we never did. So I'm like, well, okay. Well, they're <laughs> going to heaven first. Just so you know, they're <laughs> first in line. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Before Born Jeffs, right? You, there was a level of TV you could watch. Is that right? Um, or there was like some kind that you guys were, had access to electronics at one point and then it started yeah, getting stricter and stricter. That That's true. You know, as a kid, I remember a handful of movies that we got to watch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the, some of the classics, the Disney classics, um, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Bambi, some of yeah. those, like I remember watching those as a kid. But there came a point when it would just got less and less and less. And if you'd ask, it was like, no, that's worldly. You know, we don't watch that. Oh. So, so you guys weren't streaming Sex in the City or any of those shows? No, <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> no Netflix for you guys? No Netflix. We didn't, we didn't own TVs. Okay. We didn't own TVs. And when I say we watched those um, movies back in the day, we had those great big ugly square TVs. Yeah. But once that went and was gone, we never got another one. We didn't get the flat screen TVs. Yeah. Cause, cause financially, was it kind of a pool? People would sort of, how did, how does that work? Everyone kind of fends for their own families or was a lot of money going to the church and then being distributed? There Um, was a little of both. I feel like, um, as it got closer, like right before I left, it was all turn your money into the church and we give back to you what you need. Okay. So, so it was like the law of consecrations you guys were practicing. Yeah. Was, is that, is that a term you're familiar with? Yeah, it, I am familiar with that. They called it the, the United order is what it was called. Oh, wow. Um, so you, you gave everything you had to the church on, and only took back what you needed. And that happened only in the last few years that I was there. Um, before that, it was every man took mm-hmm. care of their family. When you left, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. So when you left, was Warren Jeffs, was this pre-prison or I don't even no, know when way he ended after. up. 
This is like, this is long after he went. Yes. So he was, I think arrested in 06. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I wow. left in a long time. It feels like it's just been like, it feels like I just heard about this on the news a few years ago. I know. But it's, it's been probably, a while. He's it's probably because it comes up every now and then again, you know? Yeah. Every time something happens, his story mm-hmm. gets talked about again because it's yes. a part of so many people's stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's bound to come up again. Yeah. So you guys didn't have access to the internet? No. Um, and pretty much, so you couldn't Google. You didn't have Google. No. Um, that's the only, very- that's the only way I know how to spell. That was Me my too. school was Google I'm kidding. <laughs> or Siri. Like, Hey Siri, how do you spell? <laughs> what is this ache from? Am I dying? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And then we all think we're dying. I mean, maybe you kind of save some money for you guys. Cause you weren't going sure. to the hospital all the time. <laughs> right. No. no, we didn't have Google. Um, yeah, that just wasn't really, I mean, I'm sure they used it like in offices and stuff like yeah. that. You know, I feel like they needed it. For what was their reasoning? What was the reasoning for not allowing you? It to was, have- it was definitely to keep you from, well, one dabbling in the world Two, yeah. um, it, you know, there were certain things they didn't want us to be researching for sure. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go Google certain things, you're going to find out that where you're at is probably not a good idea, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff kind of like, I'm sure it's okay. there's, there's some similarities with Mormonism, although we had, you know, access to the internet and things, but it was more like, don't go reading anything anti-Mormon, but a lot of things that were deemed anti-Mormon were things that were, um, just like facts that were really like shady hist- historical stuff. So yeah. it was kind of like, don't, don't go researching the history. Like that kind of, you can, the stuff that we wrote, you can read that, but not don't, don't look over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was kind of, so you were like kind of scared to do it. And, and there's obvious reasons why, but okay. um, so it was just kind of more of that, like intimidation a little bit to not look into that. But for you guys, you guys just literally didn't have access to that. We didn't have access. And, and they, I mean, it was, it was, it went like this, you know, if you go looking and you find something out that ruins your testimony, uh, you know, enough, you won't be able to be used in certain works of the church. Like mm-hmm. we basically can't, you're trash now because you know, those things and there's just no way that we can trust you. Oh, so, okay. You know, even so there was said, intimidation there too. Yeah. Oh, it it was down it was very, generation after generation. It was, sure yeah, carried down. It was yeah. very harsh as far as like, if you do this, you won't be used by the church. And I mean, it got to where you do certain things, you'll get like your kids taken from you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, there was some pretty extreme things being, um, put into place, I guess, for certain yeah. things if you will. Yeah. So what was the, um, so for your parents, we, so I told you we would just go on all kinds of side tangents, but for you, you know, but I like it. I like it that way. So (laughs) for your parents, what was the dynamic like between your moms, the three? (sighs) So my dad took his second wife, I guess, um, when I was 10 months old. So I don't even remember what it was like when my dad only had my mom. My mom is my dad's first wife and they are, they were legally married. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I don't even remember what it was like without that lifestyle. It was always that way for me. And, you know, for the most part, those two first women, my mom and the other lady got along pretty well. Like, I think they just had an understanding, you know, I mean, even before you go into it, you know, at some point you're going to be a plural wife. That that's just how it goes. You will be a plural wife at some point. Mm -hmm. And so even before you get married, um, you're to believe that like, okay, Mm -hmm. at some point I'm going to have to share the man that I'm with. So, so you probably don't have an expectation of like, no. Him being your only one in true love and you being his only one in true love. Oh, no, no. If you, if you even think that way, you're already right there being selfish and, um, vain is another word they use sometimes. Um, you're already choosing your own life and not letting God choose that for you. Oh, wow. So, so you um, had, so you grew up having that expectation of you were, yeah going like what was your what was your dream as a as a child like what did you see your future being I mean it's really hard to dream yeah (laughs) when you already kind of know that your future is picked for you for one that I mean I to be honest there was a time when I was like I just want to be a nurse and I want to be in love with someone that that's that's got things in common with me like my age you know I was a rebel I, I was the teenager that snuck out at night and got drunk a few times and people did that. Wait, uh, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Was alcohol allowed in your community? Well, somehow they got there. Like Mm -hmm. people would, you know, the rebel kids that were sneaking around and had friends that were not a part of the religion would somehow get it because that's how I got it. I got it from a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that a couple of times. It did was you ever more, get caught? I never got caught drunk. No, I got caught later when my dad was like, where were you? And I was like, with friends, but I'm pretty sure he knew mm-hmm. to a, a degree. Like, you, what are the I, consequences? Are there like, are there religious consequences to going out and doing something like that? Um, well, for one, knowing that you displeased your dad, I mean, you were going, you were going to go to hell for that. For one, that was your con that was the consequence you're going, you're going to go to hell. If you keep doing that, you will never pretty minor, pretty minor. Yeah. Pretty minor. (laughs) Like when the destructions come and destroy this world, like you're going with them because you're doing the worldly things. You're getting drunk. Are you able to repent? Is there a repentance if you Um, do something like that? So you don't go to hell? There's certain sins that are repentable, certain, certain ones. Yes. Others. No, like, uh, sex was a, if you had sex with someone that was, that you weren't given to by the church, if you were having any kind of those relations with someone that was not forgivable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you were doing that and they didn't say you can go be with that person, that was one of the unforgivable sins. Yeah. Um, there's a few others. I can't remember. them. can't remember them all. I know that one was. So sex is one. I mean, sex. Yeah. Sex. That's a bad one. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, real, that's real bad. <laughs> real bad one. I mean, that was a pretty hard one to come back from too in Mormonism. Like that's a, but there was always like a path back, but it was, uh, yeah, it was hard to kind of redeem yourself from that. Yeah, you that's to- murder. That was next to murder. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it was for us too. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I want to know kind of like what your childhood was like being raised in this. Was it a pretty happy childhood? Was it a, it was a, a difficult childhood? You know, up until about 12 years old, 12, 12, 13, maybe uh, it was happy. You know, I, I can't, I can't say that it was a bad childhood. Like, um, my dad took us fishing every summer. He took us camping. Um, my mom homeschooled us and my mom is the most amazing woman ever. She, she had five or not five. She had 12 babies Mm -hmm. of her own. Wow. Yeah. So she, she's amazing, you know, and just her being the way that she is and being there for us as much as she could and just encouraging us the as best as she could really I mean there was always dad kind of looking over her shoulder and no don't let don't do that don't love your kids too much or they'll like you know wow really yeah don't love your kids too much was that for real well you can love them but you can't not unless you're going to love all the mom's kids the same way so he want they wanted uh, a parent, one parent to be able to give all of those children the equal amount of attention. So your mom has 12. How many did the other ones have? Oh my goodness. I can't even remember. Um, I believe the second wife had 10 or 11. I think I can't remember. And then the other two, I don't know, between six and eight. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It, so how much is that total? Let's see, 12. Not very good at math. At least 30. I'm going to say around 35. 35 think, kids in your family. I think you oh had more goodness. than that, but I, I'm going to say thir- around 35. Wow. Yeah. And did you all live in one house? Yes. Wow. Was it a big house? You're in a mansion. Huge, huge house. Really? Um, I mean, at, with a family that size, even as even the biggest house, you still felt packed in there. Yeah. You know? So who would, who worked? Did, was this your dad? Did your mom's work? No mom's. Well, of course they work. They work their buns off. Yeah. Okay. They just Who was bringing you money? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go, girl. That is the right attitude. <laughs> yeah, they, they worked hard. Um, the mm-hmm. men worked to bring in income. Um, when I was a kid, it was just my dad. He, you know, tried to do what he could to support us all. Yeah. yeah. And how did, how were you guys financially growing oh, up with one we income? Well, yeah. Were there, rich, were there any rich, were there any rich families in that community? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, I don't know if you call them rich, but they were definitely more wealthy. They had by they comparison. Had, yeah. Yeah. By comparison, you know, drove, drove nice new vehicles and had a very nice houses and ran a very successful business. I mean, there was a lot of guys that did that. Yeah. My dad, my dad kind of, started to get to that point later on, like right Mm -hmm. before everything ended for, for our family. Um, but for the most part, we were just kind of broke. Yeah. I mean, 30 kids, one income, 30 kids. Well, there was, I grew up with 10 kids. And then uh, after I was an adult and out of the house, my parents adopted three children. So there's like total 13, but yeah. And it was mostly just my dad working, but it, you know, I just can't imagine 30. That's, that's, but you, you know, that was, that you're probably used to it. That probably wasn't the biggest family in town. Oh no, no, that, that was, um, probably one of the medium sized ones. What was the biggest? Do you remember? No, 
No, I don't even think I know. Like it's not even, yeah, it's not even about a remembering. It's more of like, I didn't, I don't know. So if Warren Jeffs had only lived there for a short amount of time, then who was the chief in town? Who was the, I don't know, your, do you call them bishops? Cause that, yeah. that's the Mormon term for it, bishops. Okay. Yeah. We call them bishops and, and it it changed, you know, it wasn't always the same, the same guy. Yeah. Was the uh, bishop the leader of the town also? Is that how that were? How did that dynamic work? I mean, yes. Yeah. Kind of, but I, he still like got word from Warren Jeffs on how to do everything. Like Okay. So he reported directly to Warren Jeffs then. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't just running the show by himself. That wasn't. Yeah. What was he like? Was he fair? Was he? Well, like I said, it was similar to his leader. There were several different ones. Okay. Um, And so it depended on who, who was in charge at the time. Yeah. Sometimes they were fair. Sometimes. I don't know. Did they rotate? Do they rotate? Because I know, like, I think the, in the Mormon church, they can only serve five years or I don't remember the exact number, but it was like a cut. There's like a cutoff. Yeah. So with the Mormon church, I, I don't, I haven't gone into like the Mormon church and like research on mm-hmm. like how it compares to the FLDS. Mm-hmm. I really haven't. So yeah. I can't, I don't know. You would know more about that than me, Yeah. but with the FLDS church, it wasn't about okay, you serve for this many years and then your time's up. It wasn't like that. It was like, mm-hmm. this is what Warren Jeffs said. This is what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. And it probably could happen just in. Yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, okay. So now it's not so-and-so in charge. It's, it's this guy because Warren Jeffs said it okay. wasn't, it wasn't. It was just sort he was just calling the shots and it wasn't necessarily like there was like any sort of process necessarily to it. Yeah. No rhyme or reason. It was always just what he decided. Got it. Um, and so, okay. So you said fair, you had a fairly like good childhood up until you're about 12 and what happened around 12? My dad took another wife and it, it kind of disrupted the rhythm of our family, I guess Mm -hmm. you'd say. Um, we just had a rhythm. There was two moms. They, they were the only two for a very long time, 12, 13 years, you know? And that's, and you basically grew up with your second mom as, I mean, from the beginning. Yeah. She was there from the beginning and we called them both mom. They were both, you know, we went to them both for different things and that's just how it was. And so, you know, I loved her just a lot. I loved the other mom a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't say my own mom, but (laughs) I still loved her pieces. Did the two of them get along pretty well? Yeah. For the most part, you know, I never really saw them fight. I know Mm -hmm. that they had disagreements. There were times when I heard my mom be like, let's go have this conversation out on the deck and they would go out there. Like she wouldn't fight in front of us with Mm -hmm. her. So I think it was her way of just trying to keep peace in the home. Real classy. She's a classy lady. She's a she, I can barely even do that with my husband in front of my kids. <laughs> like we should talk in the bedroom. I can't. <laughs> Get in there right now. <laughs> I know. I know. Like I barely do that with them, let alone having to do it with like two other people and then bringing in a third. So you had this third person come in mm-hmm. and then what was their dynamic like? Then what was your dynamic like with her? And then the kids coming in too with her. Um, I, to be honest, I think what happened is my dad changed. Mm. I think something there literally changed my dad and how he was with even my mom all of a sudden, sorry, all of a sudden he didn't listen to my mom. He didn't respect her. It all became about this new 
shiny diamond. Mm-hmm. And was she young? She was very young. Do you remember how old she was when she came? She in? was 17. How old, how old was your dad? Well, let's see. <laughs> I got to do some math. Yeah. I don't know. I let's see. So he was born in 63. 63. I don't even know. Okay. I don't even know how old I, I'd have to do some math. 30 plus I'm guessing. Oh yeah. 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 35, yeah, he was, 40. He okay. was over, he was over 35, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So there's this huge age gap, but it's like this like young cute girl coming in. I would, I just even thinking about my husband doing anything like that makes me angry, but, but you guys are raised, you're raised to like say, okay, this is, you're just, it's expected, but were, were they expecting him to take on a third though? I mean, were they, they, or did I they think, think it, they were set? I think they wanted to, it to be set like that, but they, I think it, they knew at any point it could happen mm-hmm. and it didn't for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think for a man to wait 12 years to take on another wife was an extremely long time. Most men, I mean, not most men, but a lot of men got them faster than that. Like within a year or two or three of each other, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was 12 years and these men couldn't just go get them. Mm -hmm. It was, you wait till you're given one. Oh, so it wasn't even really a choice. No, no. It wasn't even a choice for your dad. No, not really. It was, I mean, he could have said no, but he, I mean, you didn't say no, you just did. Yeah. Were there repercussions if he were to try to say no to the prophet? Because it's the prophet who's assigning, right? Yeah. I think okay. the saying no may have resulted in him like losing the family he did have. And that was a, that was a huge thing they held over people's heads. Um, men and women, I feel like if you don't do everything that I tell you to, you will lose your family. Yeah. You will be unworthy of your family. So this is something that I read is that there, because you guys are cut off from the rest of the world, you don't really have access to technology, to Google. There is some manipulation. Well, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of manipulation that can happen, but one of the manipulations is people not knowing their legal rights. And from what I have read is that some of the parents, I don't know if this was like all of the parents that did this, they were to sign a paper that's sort of signing the children over to the church. That way they have this document and they can say, Hey, remember this paper you signed? We sort of own your kids. So if you step out of line, we can take them away from you legally at a drop of a hat. Is that true? Did you, do you know anything like that? I do know about that, but that's not that. No, that's not how it was in the church. I, well, I can't actually, I don't know. I didn't do that until I left. When I left, my dad called me almost daily for a while and was like, I faxed that paper to you. You need to sign it. Um, And the paper, the paper was saying the church has custody of my children. It was more of him. Okay. It was custody to but your dad. Got it, it wasn't really custody. It was more just a power of attorney okay. thing. Um, and, and the way he worded it was, if anything happens to your kids and we have to take them to the hospital, I need to have like control and like a say in what happens with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if something happens to them, I would like to know. Yes. Yes. But it was like, no, you can't know you, you, you're supposed to go clear over there and not ever talk to us about your kids. You can't ask about them anything. We, and he already had them, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like, 
in my head the whole time, I'm like, I'm going to go back for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go back for them. I'm going to get my life in order and I'm going to go back for my babies from day one. That's how it was. Of course. I mean, that would just be like the mother's instinct immediately. Mm -hmm. Wow. So were you aware of like any abuse or anything like that going on in the community? And were there consequences when church, uh, like leadership consequences, if something was found out about? Not that I know of, you know, and abuse was, I feel like the hardest thing about any of this is the women did not dare stand up for themselves Mm -hmm. or their children. So let's say a dad decides a child is out of line by doing a certain thing and he goes and beats them. Mm -hmm. The women watched it. There was times it happened right in front of us. And we literally just had to sit there and watch. And there, I I can count on one hand, the times my mom was like, stop that. And she would say my dad's name. And if that happened, like you stop that. So-and-so you stop that you you're hurting him. You knew my mom was about like, it was everything in her to not go and punch him, mm-hmm. you know, would and there so be a consequence he, to her though, no. if she were to, Oh, if she did. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She would have, that would have been completely her stepping out of line. If like, for her to say something, even just yeah, it, like later on, a conversation would have been had where dad or whoever the guy was. I mean, it did happen in my family. I saw it happen, but if, if there was ever that happening, for us in our family, he would go and have a conversation with you. Like you disrespected mm-hmm. me in front of the children. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you don't do that. You don't stand up to me and, and tell me I'm wrong in front of the kids ever. Yeah. You know. And were the husbands allowed to issue any kind of punishment to the wives since they were like the patriarchy and, you know, I know it did happen in some families, but not in my, yeah. I never, my dad never laid his hand on my mom's. Mm-hmm. Um, or the women in his life, I guess they weren't mm-hmm. all my moms. I say moms. Cause the two were definitely my moms, but the other two, I don't, they weren't moms to me. Yeah. Didn't know them. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Them. Um, and then for myself, like getting married, I guess there was not, no, he never laid a hand on us as far as like physical punishment mm-hmm. or anything like that. So you said when you were 12, that's kind of when things started going a little bit more South for you, or it wasn't this like happy, bright home that you grew up in anymore. Yeah. yeah. And you saw that change, the change in your dad, was it just like the attention to you or it was, you could no, see it wasn't the- to me. I wasn't really like that. It, it wasn't to me. It was more of how I saw him start to treat my mom. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking in, in a physical abuse way. It was more of like, your opinion doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was definitely noticeable. I saw it. Kids, mm-hmm. kids see these things. They're not dumb. Um, and, and then I started to, that's when I started to go into my teen years and I wanted something different. I wanted more. Yeah. And I started to sneak out and talk to boys and do all those things. And she was the one that caught me the first couple of times. When I say caught, you asked me if I was caught. Mm-hmm. No, I don't mean like she caught me in the act doing it. She was more of like, I think that she, or yeah, I think that she was talking to a boy or she waved at one. 
when we were here mm-hmm. or there. So it was stuff like that where I'm was like, that a no, no eye contact with boys oh, or no, waving to you boys. Did not talk to boys, look at boys, wave at boys. You did even not. eye contact. Nothing like with boys. Really? If you made eye contact with a boy, you were probably talking to them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like there was something more to it than just eye contact, obviously. Like what? And I remember you were kind of telling me how there's some like, you know, rumor mills in Short Creek and, and that sounds like that could easily be a rumor mill right there. Or it's like, I saw oh. her looking, what else is going on underneath it all? Yeah. Like, did you know? Yeah. And you th- know? there's non L there's non F L D S out there as well. You know, there was some, there was some that had left the community or, they were still in the community, but left, when I say left the community, I mean the, the community, like they were still there, but no longer considered themselves. Yeah. They weren't communicating with anyone in it. They weren't going to church, nothing like that. Yeah. Cause what are the consequences if you leave the religion itself? Are you sort of, Um, you're not allowed to speak to family members after that who are still part of it. So you cannot speak to family members that are still a part of it for one. Um, if like, okay, let's say there's a married couple and the, one of them decides I'm done with this life. I Mm -hmm. I don't want to live it. And they decide to leave. They have to also leave their marriage. Oh, wow. So their partner doesn't go, they can't stay together. If you're, you're, you're throwing something away. You're throwing that part of it away. You're, you have to throw everything away at that point. Yeah. So, so if you, yeah. I mean, you're, you can't stay with your partner unless you both believe in the same thing. Yeah. And then, and then kids typically would end up staying with the person who's still a member. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I I know people that took their kids with them, but I'm sure they went to court and things over it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the kids stayed. I can't, I seriously cannot even imagine, like I have this vision of you in this pioneer dress. (laughs) With like a braid all tucked <laughs> under, drinking a beer behind like a bush. Or it's how it was. My dad had a hundred tree orchard, a, a peach, a peach orchard. And we would go hide in that orchard all the time. Me and this kid, we were young, 14, 15, just wow. Hiding. And you didn't, and, and then did you ever feel guilty about it? Oh, I did horribly guilty. Like, yes. I mean, I didn't want my dad to find out because then yes. for one, he would think less of me and mm-hmm. two, I knew it would disappoint him. Like yeah. very, and, and how did you feel like God, when you would do that? Did you have like, you know, at that point I didn't God care. Or, I okay. actually did not care. I was like, I was super young and now I didn't mm-hmm. really I knew that I was displeasing God, I guess, mm-hmm. but I, it didn't, to be honest, displeasing my dad or the prophet or whatever was almost a bigger deal than displeasing God. Right. It's kind of interesting to think about that. Yeah, that is. Cause it, cause it maybe sounds like there wasn't enough emphasis put on God, but it was mm-hmm. like the prophet was yeah. your God sort of. It, and it was, yeah. you know, it was, that's definitely how it was. It was, it you put your faith in a man for sure. Yeah. Wow. So there wasn't this, cause I, cause I know like in 
if I were to do anything like that, I'd be like, oh my God, God's going to come over. Cause it was always like, he's going to come blowing his trumpet with like a whole pack of angels behind him any minute, any minute. It could be tomorrow. It could be during your sleep. It could be, you know, it's just like, I always growing up have this anxiety of like, he's going to come blowing his trumpet, Jesus <laughs> over the mountain with his like chariot uh, of fire. And, and that was going to be the second coming. And I would have had just sworn and I would be downed, you know? So I was like repenting all the time throughout my childhood. And I get that. Like, (laughs) it was that way for us too, but it was more, I'll tell you what, I was way more scared of the destructions coming. They were, they talked about that a lot. The destructions are going to come and the pestilence and the, the, they're going to kill all the evil and wicked people. And if you want to be lifted up with the righteous, you had to be righteous. So Mm. I was scared of, I mean, I was mortified of windstorms or anything like that. I knew the destructions were coming and they were yes. going to destroy everyone that wasn't right. Like yes. righteous. Okay. So then this is like leading up to being married because you got married. What was it? Did you tell me it was 16? Okay. And was that the typical age of getting married off or what was the sort of the yeah, youngest I mean, age? That, that was, was pretty, average? that was pretty normal. 16, 17, I feel like was a pretty common age. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few younger than that, but that they were considered extremely young. Mm-hmm. Like even we knew that, I think, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I told my mom, so, you know, I kind of went right from going out at night drinking. And I, when I say drinking, it was only a couple of times, but to me, it was a huge deal because it was so against the rules. I wasn't a drunk. No, I love it so much. I want to make a movie of your life, girl. Like I just, yeah, the, the, the dress, the braid, a beer. It just sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. And so, so like, I went from that to like, literally, this is how it was. You need to stop doing that. And we will place you by a man that is worthy of you. Mm-hmm. So I I was like, okay, well, I want, obviously want a relationship with someone. I want, I wanted to continue my life. I didn't, I felt like my time in my, my dad's family was up. I I either was going to leave the religion at that young age, or they were going to figure out what, what was next for me. And could they, and they, could they see that coming? Could they see those wheels turning? Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, I had some pretty in-depth conversations with my dad and it was more about how I was doing really bad stuff and I need to stop it. But, but that's basically what I told him. I'm like, I'm, I need, I need more. I don't like my life the way it is right now. Hmm. I want, I want to be done with this. I wanted to leave, you know, but Hmm. I also was scared to do that. So when you say leave, did you wanted to leave the church? Yeah, I did. I did back then. I did there. I, I had friends doing it right and left, but it scared me because they were young. Where do you go? You know, who takes care of you? And, and what do you, what is your idea at that time too, of what happens to somebody who leaves the church? That as far as what the, is it? I, I guess, is there the, this thought of like people who leave the church end up becoming drug addicts and homeless yeah. or, you know, is that sort of the, the worst? Yeah. Whatever yeah. it was, you know, they, they become this horrible, horrible people. Like there's nothing good comes from it basically. And probably honestly, some of that comes true because they're not real. They don't really have resources or the education or the training to 
established themselves and they probably, they just lost their whole community. So they don't have a support system. So you probably are really seeing it. And it's not because it's the outside world is this way. It's because it's somebody who has the lack of resources to Mm -hmm. kind of figure it out. I agree. And you know, you, when you have never even had talks with your parents about certain things ever, like Mm -hmm. about adult things that happen like drugs, Mm -hmm. sex, all these things, you never even talk to your parents about those really. And so these kids that do leave, if they leave at a super young age, they have no idea what they're walking into. No idea, like none. They just don't even know. So it scared me to think of leaving at that young of an age, even though this, I think it was the unknown that I was scared of. And was part of the leaving, you just didn't believe in it anymore at that point? That, and I was just sick of it. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what I was thinking. Like it was more of just, I was sick of it. I was sick of the home life. The, I mean, that's when a lot of the fighting between moms started to happen. And my dad wasn't respecting my mom the way he used to and the way she really truly deserved you know what was the fighting was it was it jealousy was it yeah I think a lot of it was jealousy um jealousy I I can't even imagine I would yeah I'd probably be the same man I'd be quite go crazy oh my god (laughs) jealousy is a natural emotion Mm -hmm. you know especially in a in a love relationship Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really, it's natural. Yeah. And forever the women were told to like, it was a sin to be jealous. Mm-hmm. You were sinning. Like that was, you were being self-centered and vain and you needed to just go pray it away and get over it. You know, of course there's going to be jealousy. Like yeah. who wants to sit there and watch this guy? The only guy for me, it was the only guy that ever gave me attention, give other women attention. Like yeah. what? You so know. were they starting to fight in front of you guys? The moms would fight. It in wasn't front of really you? like a full blown fight. It was more of like, Oh, I can see there's tension between them. My mom is not talking yeah. to her. And you're feeling oh, unstable probably. Yeah. A little, you can just yeah. feel it and see it. And then like, you notice that you just notice, you see mm-hmm. what your parents do. Like you see your dad go and pay so much attention to this person. Yeah. And you're like, there's my mom sitting right there on the couch and you literally are starting to act like she doesn't exist. And I'm sure your heart is breaking for her and feeling protective over your mom. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't feel that way. I think a lot of kids felt that way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm curious, how, how does this happen where you go from wanting to leave to being married? All within like a, it was a very short period. amount. Yeah. It was only a couple of years, actually. I was about 14, 13, okay. 14 when I was sneaking around. So it was only a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it literally just came down to that. Like it's either I'm going to leave or I'm going to get married. And my dad was like, well, if you mm-hmm. will repent and stop talking to these boys and listen to these certain trainings, then uh, you know, I'll go have a talk with Warren Jeffs and it, they call it turn you in. So they go and make you, your name known to him. That you're ready to be married. Yeah. Got like it. she's ready to be placed. So were you started, excited? Were you nervous? Were you like, what's going through your mind? When you're like, Oh, this is going to happen. Oh my gosh. I'm going to get married. And I'm 16. Well, I was, I was excited 
I think I was more excited than anything. I just was ready to like change my life direction. Like what I was mm-hmm. doing. I knew, I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing unless I was just going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that at some point the sex talk was going to come up with a boy and I was going to either have to say, okay, let's have sex or let's not, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of started to go that direction. And I was like, eh, I'm not ready for that. And I didn't, the yeah. thing that's crazy is I didn't even know what sex was. Yeah. And so for them to like, try to push that on me. I was like, I didn't even delve into it. It was like, no, were you, I, did you, were you like, this is something that men really want and is to you is used to procreate. Like what was your knowledge at that point? Of nothing, sex? nothing. I did not know anything about sex. You didn't know even any basic nothing. mechanics. I, well, I knew what I knew that <laughs> I knew that there was mechanics because I had, I had a young, way younger siblings that I helped take care of baby Mm. siblings, you know, we'd potty train them and stuff. So Mm. I knew that there was a difference between a male and a female. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just didn't know how it worked. I didn't know anything about that. Did they prepare you um, leading up to it, to the wedding? I mean, I think in some families they do, but not in my situation. Then talk to you about it. No, that conversation was never had with me and either of my parents about sex at all. No. Oh my gosh. No, I can't imagine. Oh, wow. It, so you had to figure it very, out. It was very traumatizing. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. because obviously the guy that I went into his family, he already had a wife. Mm-hmm. So he already knew, I mean, how many know, wives did he have at that just point? One. Oh, he had just one. Okay. So you're the second wife, right? So she was, I mean, you know, I always joke about it. I'm like, you know, I don't blame her for hating my guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, because really she was like, the one fact, and I only. Wish me. Yeah, I wish she would have slapped me and been like, you know what? I kind of hate you. Like, yes. you stole my man. Mm-hmm. She had every right to be so angry at me. At the time, I was like, why are you so mad at me? <laughs> so, it, so, okay. So, okay. Yeah, I definitely want to go there. Because that is, I think everybody is really curious because especially when you've been in a monogamous relationship, the idea of another woman coming in is like somebody's worst fear, you know, like, um, excuse you. No. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So you're okay. So how, okay. First I want to know how your husband was selected because it, he was selected for you. Right. Yeah. Did you get to interact with him before you're married? Did you know him at no. all? No, not at all. I did. You not. knew he, he was from short Creek though. Yes. You know, there was one time I had seen him and his first wife somewhere vaguely, like I vaguely just remember their family. And, you know, I actually thought they had a darling little family for them. Like they're like thinking mm-hmm. of their family. I was like, they have a cute little family. And mm-hmm. it was never like, oh, that's such a cute family. I should, I want to join their family. It wasn't like that. It was just mm-hmm. a vague passing. Quite a few people knew who they were and that was it. That was it. I did not meet them or anything like that before. Wow. And then not even before the wedding. No. Wow. Not even an introduction. Oh, you're blowing my mind right now. Wow. No, it was, um, my, my dad was gone on a mission. We hadn't seen him in quite a few, I think it was a couple of months at least. And he would call every Sunday And, um, he called one day and was like, um, someone's going to come pick you up and you're going to get married, but the person that's picking you up is not going to be your husband. Oh, so 
So someone picked, so what does that mean? Someone just some, so what what'd you say? So what someone picked, so sorry, someone picked you up yeah. to go and meet your husband? Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And my mom couldn't go with me. Oh, you were getting married. Yeah. They're picking you up to get married. Yeah. Holy crap, girl. <laughs> Holy crap, girl. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That was literally how it went. Were you freaking out? Were you I just was so, I was freaking out. Yeah. I was oh like, I wanted my mom to come with me for one. I was so like, what? Why didn't but, she go with you? She wasn't allowed? What no, happened? No, no one said she could go. So she didn't go. So, okay. So how long after he submitted your name to when they picked you up? It was about a year. Okay. Yeah. So it'd been like, so, so he submitted when you were like 15 and when you're 16, you get the call. Yeah. Well, I was just about 16 when he turned me in, I guess. And then, um, I was almost 17. Okay. So you're almost 17. Somebody picks you up. Is it just like a member of the priesthood? Yeah. Okay. Just, just a trusted person there, Mm -hmm. um, took me to a house, a huge house. And, uh, I waited in this room for a while, probably 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then they came and got me and went, I walked into this room and they were like, do you know him? Wow. And I gonna- think the craziest thing about the story is that you waited in a room for 45 minutes without a cell phone. Like, what are you doing? For- <laughs> it was someone's bedroom and all like, I remember sitting on the edge of the bed, like there was no chair in there, nothing. It was like a very simple room but I remember it was a woman's room because there was a dress hanging up. The closet door was open and this dress was just hanging there. And I remember the fan came, like the AC came on and it was like moving. And I was just sitting there watching this dress. Like well, this is move. a core memory for you. This is <laughs> yeah, like, it was you must've been like freaking out on the inside. Like my hands were sweating and I was like, let's get this over with. Like who, and at the time I did not know who this person was. Did you know what was going to happen? Did you, did you know you're going to get married? Then you're going to go have sex. Was that what was going through your brain? Like, what were you most worried about? I didn't (laughs) even think about sex. I didn't even think about it, but also probably no one explained to you that that's what happens after. Right. Right. No one told me no converse. Why was there not a convert? Like even just a little bit of a conversation. I don't know. It's very weird to me. Yeah. I, I know You're like, I have a lot of these questions myself, girl. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't talk about it unless, I mean, obviously my mom wanted to, there was a lot of things that my mom wanted to do, but it was against the rules. Oh, like okay. dad discouraged it. It was discouraged in the community. Like you just didn't do that. Were they expected? Do they just expected your husband to explain how, how it went down? For the most part, yes. Um, But it's interesting because then the family I married into, like they were way more open about it with their kids. Oh. So, you know. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so like your your sister wife was, would explain it to her children. Not not in detail, but they knew like, they knew there was things like, they were really young too. They knew Mm -hmm. how babies were born. They were, you know, they, they had these conversations here and there. I know they knew we, we yeah. talked about it. And so I think it just that, was, you were, your family was a little more conservative. Yeah. And there was a lot of families like that. It wasn't just mine. So you had those families where they were extremely conservative and, you know, kept a lot of that thing, a lot of that stuff down low and you just didn't talk about it. And then there was others that were like, 
what's the big deal? Like, why wouldn't you talk to your kid about that? Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So you're in this room by yourself. No one's telling you anything. Just waiting. Then what happens? Someone comes and gets you. What happens? Somebody opens the door and was like, follow me. So I followed him down this really long hall, super long hall. And then we walk into this great big room and there's Warren Jeff standing there with a few other guys. So you got the prophet himself was there. Yeah. Was he living in the town at the time? No, he, he was there to marry some people. So was it a big deal to have him there? Yeah. To like and meet him and be in his It presence. was a huge deal. I wasn't, I couldn't, I wasn't supposed to tell anyone oh. who was there. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't tell anyone who was there. Um, obviously people assumed that, but I couldn't say, I couldn't say who was there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say where the place was, um, anything. Okay. Nothing like that. So then how does the ceremony start or, or is it like a meet and greet? <laughs> No, do the ceremony it's, later. it's a very quick meet. And then the ceremony you do, they make you like link hands and they say some words out of a book. That's are you, are you wearing topics. a dress? Yeah. Are you wearing, it's a wedding dress. No, just your regular, dress. your yeah. regular getup. Yeah. Okay. Just You're really that. dressed to the nines. It sounds like for yeah. your wedding day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you go in just in your regular gear. Yeah. You go in. At this point, you introduce yourself to, you meet your husband at that point? Yeah. Was his wife there? No. Just him. Just him. Oh, geez. That would have been way more nerve wracking if she was there, I feel like. <laughs> You're like, yeah. nope, nope, I'm out. <laughs> You're out there. So how many she people would have been like, really? Like I have to watch you guys get married. Like, yeah, I don't think she would have wanted to be there, yeah. you know? Like, is there a temple? You guys don't get married in the temple there. Does FLDS have temples? I know that's Mormons. Obviously, you know, they have temples. Just one that I know of was the Mm -hmm. one in Texas. Okay. And I never set foot in there. Mm -hmm. I never, ever went in there. Not even once. Okay. So no. So you guys would do your sacred ceremonies just basically in a home. Yeah. That was probably like blessed or something. Yeah. I'm sure they, I'm sure they, um, prepared the the building for that particular was it in the living room in a bedroom was it, it what was kind of room was room, it? okay yeah so you go in there and how many people are in there um you know I want to say there was no more than 10 okay probably like six or seven I don't remember exactly oh and were they other people also getting married no 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 one in there I don't think well I can't say that I don't think so because I literally walked in there got married and we walked out. So you walk in, you say, hi there. I'm a uh, CC <laughs> yeah. or Cecilia. Were you going by yeah, Cecilia then? <laughs> I am yeah. uh, Cecilia. Nice to meet you. I'm going to be your wife. Yeah. It was like, like, I'm here's so your and husband. So. Here's your future husband. Right? Did you shake hands? Did you hug? Yeah, shook hands. Shook yeah. hands. It's like very formal. Like I'm yeah, going to be your wife. <laughs> yeah. We don't, there was no hug. You did not hug anyone unless it was your, I mean, some people did. Yeah. We were raised not to. My dad did not like that. You did not hug anyone but him or the person you're married to. What about the moms? Could you hug the moms? Yes. I mean, okay. I mean, a male figure. Okay. Good. Unless you, it was you, like you were just about to shatter my whole soul. <laughs> if I was like, you cannot hug your mom. I mean, there did come a time <laughs> later on where the, the moms were told uh, that their affection towards their children was for a 
selfish reason and that they weren't supposed to do that. Okay. Yeah. You but, did just shatter. You just shat. You broke me. I'm, I'm oh sorry. my God. Wait, so was this to your parents to you? Like while you were living in their house? The no, day? it was actually to me. I was the mom at the time. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I think we're going to get there. Oh my yeah. God. That breaks my heart. Oh, Ugh, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Okay. Was, that's, that's when things started to really turn. I feel like. Yeah. Cause it, cause Warren just, just got started getting a little crazier and a little crazier. Right. From what I, yeah. what I've heard what, and what I've read, it's like, look, he kept it getting honestly a little... got to where I felt like, okay, so you're in prison and because you can't have these things, you don't want anyone else to have them either. That's the only thing that makes sense. Cause he's giving these commands from prison mm-hmm. and that's, that's the other, other things that I've read as well. It's like, it, it was almost like he was jealous and wanted everybody to suffer how he was suffering. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's the only thing that made sense to me is I was like, okay, since everyone else can't have it, yeah, you don't, I mean, since you can't have it, you don't want everyone else to have it. Is so. there like somebody acting in his favor while he's in prison that are right now? Yeah. Or while you, cause he also well, he was in prison while you were in it as well. Was there somebody that was represented representing him? Yeah. He had people in the communities like the Bishop or whatever that were you know, representing him. Okay. So there wasn't like one main, like vice prophet. (laughs) Um, kind of, I guess. I don't know what they called him though. Not vice prophet. No, it was (laughs) definitely uh, not vice prophet. (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, man, I don't remember the word. There's a word for it. I don't what what do they say in the Mormon counselor first first counselor counselor of the of the president and then second yeah they had so I had first of the first president yeah okay okay that's what it was a counselor (laughs) okay okay oh so did he have apostles yes um not and so this is interesting because we didn't I think they call them apostles 12 12 apostles Mm -hmm. my dad was one of them wow yeah that's maybe why you guys were kind of hard, a little extra conservative. Yeah. And he was on a, went on a mission. That was probably oh, why, he, right? Like he okay. was gone so much. He was gone a lot. And I think that's another thing that changed things. Mm-hmm. You know how I was telling you my childhood changed when I was mm-hmm. like 13. I think it was that, you know, dad wasn't around. And when he was, he was so strict, like everything about him just changed. He was not the same. Wow. It wasn't that fun dad, like, let's go fishing and camping. It was more of like, you guys are being like-minded, stop it, or you're going to hell. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you guys hold hands, you say some words, and then Warren Jeffs is like, and you're married and break. And you all take your hands. You're like, (laughs) 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 pretty much like, and then we walked out together and he took me to his house and introduced me to his already family. So, okay. You're walking out together. This is like pre-honeymoon. You were your honeymooning or the wife is. There's no like separate place? No. Oh my God. How awkward. Was it so awkward? No, no. I was so naive. Oh, like okay. I did not even have a clue how it must have been for her. And I'm sure you look back now and you're oh, like, I do now. And I'm shit. like, bro, okay. can you come slap me now? And like, like yeah. let's have a conversation. Yes. I want to like, I want you to like express how that was for you. Like, you know, I cannot even imagine how that was for her. I mean, I can, but at the time I had no idea. I was just like, this is normal. 
this oh is normal. God. Like we just get married. How old was she at the time? And your, your husband then was like, you, I think you said he was 34 and you were 16. Yeah. Almost okay. 17. Yeah. And she was around that same age. Yeah. So she was young too. Yeah. She was, she was young like him. No, oh, she was around like, his age. Yeah. His age. Oh, so she's in her thirties. Cute little 17 year old in a little pioneer dress coming in. <laughs> right. I mean, she had a couple of, you know, she had babies and all of that, to be honest, like I thought she was a cute, the cutest mom. Like mm-hmm. I told you, I had seen mm-hmm. them one time before. And I literally thought that about her. I was like, she's such a cute mom. Mm. And, and to me, I just, I had no idea that I was destroying her yeah. life. Like I literally was, I had no yeah. clue. So naive. <laughs> so how many kids did she have and how old were they when you she had six and I believe her oldest was 11. Okay. So then she had some little ones then too. Yeah. Lots of little ones. So you go in there and she's like, how was her attitude towards you when she met you? She was kind. She yeah. was kind. Yeah. She wasn't. I think she was very surprised at who I was and like how young I was. Mm-hmm. I think that did surprise her. I mean, I'm sure as, I mean, I don't know how it was for her, but as, as a woman, knowing that at some point your man is going to have another woman in his life, I think for me, I'd be looking around all the Mm -hmm. single women in the community and be like, I wonder if it's going to be her. Who's next. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I mean, I would have done that. Yeah. But did he take on other wives after you? He did. He had, he had three more. He took on three more after me. And was it like that for you? Were you looking around the community? Like, I wonder who it's going to be. No, because I never felt like he was mine anyway. Right. It's probably very different for the first wife. I think so. I mean, they were married for all those years, legally married at that. Mm-hmm. And 11 years, at least, at least probably together. More, you know, oh, that would just be heart wrenching. Yeah. yeah, it would. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I never felt like he was mine. So I couldn't I, I wasn't like, it wasn't like that for me. I mean, when he did take his third wife, it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle. Like I was like, cause she was the same age as me. Mm-hmm. She was a young, pretty girl too. And I was like, ah, now there's two of us, mm-hmm. you know, two of us younger ones. And I don't know. I, I did feel a little bit of jealousy yeah. towards her. So when you get there, you meet the wife. It's kind of maybe a little bit weird. Little. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit weird. <laughs> Then what happens? Do you, do you guys have like honeymoon there in the house? Like, yeah, do you have we, like separate quarters. How does that work? Sort of. No, actually not really. Her room was right down the hall from, so you um, have a separate, you have like an assigned bedroom. Yeah. You have your own bedroom. And, and in his house, he had a really, really nice house. Um, he, there, the bedrooms were big. His house was pretty big. Um, he just, I mean, like, okay, here's your room. And we sat and we had some conversation, you know, him and I sat and talked for quite Mm -hmm. a while, kind of got, kind of got to know each other. (laughs) Yeah. A little meet and greet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what's your favorite color? Yeah. Right. Like what do you like to do? (laughs) And I was extremely anxious over all of it. I was so my anxiety was at an all time high. I just didn't know what to expect really, you know? Yeah. So did he, did he have to tell you it? Were you like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he had to kind of explain everything to you beforehand. Yeah. We didn't really just have like 
the sex talk right then and there that came like a few days, like maybe a day or two later. Okay. So you got, you guys actually waited a little bit like a day. Yeah. Yeah. We did probably good. (laughs) That'd be overwhelming. That'd be a little overwhelming. A little too much too soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I was already extremely nervous and overwhelmed by it all just not knowing was he nervous and overwhelmed because I I can think like from his perspective I don't know I don't know I don't Mm -hmm. know if we've ever if we ever even had that conversation like I mean Mm -hmm. I know I told him I was but I don't remember if he said he was I just in my head I was like you've done this before so how could you yeah like how could you be nervous you know no like again I said you know uh super naive well, and you guys ended up figuring it out because you ended up having four, four children with him. Right. Right. Yep. Okay. And then, and then he brings on three other wives in the meantime. And I just want to touch on a little bit of like the dynamic between the wives and then how was, what were, there was a dynamic like with, between all five wives? You know, it's crazy because for the most part, I feel like we got along. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we kind of had to, we kind of yeah. had to, um, I, I feel like that there was always feelings, not so good feelings between me and the first wife though. Yeah. I, I feel like. Cause you kind always, of were the other woman. Right. Basically. I was the one yeah. that came in and wrecked everything for her. I know I did. There's yeah. no doubt. Like, of course she's going to be upset at me. Ugh. I yeah. came in and I wrecked their little family that they had, you know? And after 11 years of marriage, we're not all just like peachy and putting on that, like, hun- it's not the honeymoon phase anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. Where you had some kids blood. together and I sort of. <laughs> Make no. yourself dinner, Earl. <laughs> You've reached that point. Yeah. Like, like, um you don't have clean laundry because I didn't feel like doing it. And just, it's just life, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's life and it's life with kids. So that adjustment yeah. to like somebody without any kids now, it's like this fresh new start. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And you have to <sighs> sit there and watch this happen. Like there's, there's no reason for her to even like me. And so, yeah, there, amount was, of I pain. Feel like there was a lot of feelings between her and I unspoken, unspoken yeah. feelings. You like, never talked about it. Never. No, no. I, I'm, I'm, very non-confrontational. I yeah. hate confrontation so much. And so if there was ever a time where we needed to confront mm. something, I was like, I'm good. I am so good. Look, see, I'm smiling. You <laughs> like, know you hate me right now. Like I would just try to not just pretend like there was nothing wrong. Oh, wow. So, wow. That's, um, that's impressive and very hard to do. <laughs> but I mean, it kind of, maybe it takes that personality coming into a family like that. Probably, you know, yeah. I, I mean, did she have issues with the other wives at all? Just mostly you. Cause you were like the first to kind of stir everything up. Everybody else was just followed along. No, I can't say it was only with me. Um, that would be untrue for sure. I feel like that there was times, there was times that where she probably wanted to throat punch other mm-hmm. people too, yeah. just depending, you know? And I think that she saw like what her and her husband had at one point just kind of diminish over time. Like he got mm-hmm. more and more wives. And, and I think she probably felt the way my mom felt when my dad took on more women mm-hmm. kind of ignored and put on the yeah. back burner. Not, it's not intentional. I know it's not yeah. It's just, there's just shinier objects like 
that already happens. Yeah. That already happens when we, when it's just two people and you know, mm-hmm. in a monogamous relationship, monogamous relationship, and you have children and then there's yeah. work. There's already that divided attention. That's very difficult to yeah. distribute evenly in your home. So, right. and then you add on a million other kids, other wives. Yeah. You just can't imagine. Yeah. So, um, and then how do you guys handle it at that point? Like, how do you handle jealous thoughts, jealous feelings? Cause you're told this is bad. This is wrong. You just shove it down, down you just, low or you, if you talk, you know, there was a couple of times I did bring it up. Like it was so bad. I needed to talk about it. Like I needed to get it off my chest. And I did, I brought it up to him a couple of times and it was literally like, well, you're totally out of line for feeling that way. And you need to go and have a moment with Jesus, you know, you need, mm-hmm. yeah. you need to go get over you it. Need you need Jesus. You need yeah. Jesus, girl. Like you got to get over these. There were considered bad feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, to be jealous was a bad feeling. You needed to not have that feeling. So, yeah. Um, okay. So we bring in wives, we bring in lots of children and then, oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. What about everybody's roles? Did everyone have like a certain role in as far as like, was there the women who worked, the women who child reared? What was that? Everyone had children. Okay. Everyone had children that could. I mean, if and yeah. everyone wanted that, yeah. if they could have a baby, they was not child rear, but like was the nanny to all the other children oh. or the, okay. the stay at home mom is what I okay. mean. So there were some who would work and then those who would just, who were with once working out in the home. Right. Okay. So. I think it was kind of an unspoken thing that happened in a lot of families mm-hmm. because obviously not every woman is going to be extremely good at everything. Mm-hmm. There's going to be certain things that she put more time into as she was growing up and became very good at like baking or dealing with the children or, you know, th- there's just, every person has their strengths. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of an unspoken thing that certain people would just get placed kind of where they shined, you know, like, where do you shine? Okay. In the kitchen, you're going to be put in there more, not even intentionally. It's just more of like, you cook really well. So we're going to put you there or you're super good with the younger babies and, and are you're patient. You, you can tolerate, you know, tantrums and fits and all this a lot better than maybe this other person, but it was unspoken. It wasn't like you're better at this. So I'm going to put you there, but yeah, you went, you went to work. Um, so actually I didn't go to work until way later, mm-hmm. way later. Um, I didn't work. No, I was a stay at home mom. Okay. Yeah. And then how many of the sisters, sister wives did work? Two of them. Two of them. So then you had yeah. two, so you had three at home, mm-hmm. two in two at work. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So then things room, the rumor mill starts and there's rumors being spread about your then husband and tell me what kind of took off, how that all kind of started bubbling to the surface. Um, are you talking about right before everything like blew up and our family got split? Yes. Up? Okay. Yes. Unless so, I'm forgetting things that I need no, that we no. need to mention along the way. Okay. Nope. But that's, that's about where we're at. Um, so it wasn't the rumor mill that made that happen. It was literally one day the leader of the community calls him up and was like, you guys need to come and meet me at this place. I don't even know where that was. And then he tells them that they need to leave. 
by the it end was just of the day, out of nowhere. Out of there nowhere. was no preparation. There was no, no like rumors. There was no, no wow, nothing. It was meet me here. You need to be gone by tonight. Where did this come from? And what happened? Like it was. It could have been. Uh, what do you call them? A confession letter. It could have been something someone said in a confession letter. It could have been. Any, I, I honestly still to this day am literally mind blown at what they were like. You did this. Can you talk about what he was being accused for? Um, I would probably rather not. Okay. Just for his own. Yeah. Sake. But it was, but the rumor or whatever they were accusing him for wasn't true though. Oh no. It, to my knowledge, even still, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. And it was, it was something that a lot of people were being told that they were guilty of. Oh, wow. And you think that people were saying this because they just wanted to like, I don't know, exile people from the town because it was getting overcrowded or something or uh, that's what I wonder. Too many men. (laughs) Yeah. And someone was, you know, it's crazy. Well, I would think that, but they did send all the women out with him too. Good point. Fair point. You know, so I don't know. I honestly do not know what you know and and a lot of people were like it's just god testing us it's just him trying to test our um our uh beliefs in in him and in the church like it was all a test okay that's how they looked at it you know and um that's kind of where honestly that's really really where i was like okay i'm starting to question everything yeah because what, what was your husband? Like, I didn't even ask you that. What was his, what, I mean, if you can say, I mean, what was his, was he like kind? Was he fair? Was he harsh? He he was not, he was kind. Mm -hmm. He was kind for the most part. Um, there were a few things that happened with my own children, my older ones, especially my two older ones. Mm-hmm. that were um, borderline abusive mm-hmm. from him. And like I said before, it wasn't ever like something he did to us, but there was a couple of times that some things went down with them where I was very not happy with the way he handled mm-hmm. things. And um, I did bring it to his attention a couple of times. And he was like, you don't question my authority mm-hmm. type of thing. And it just, it just really made me sad the way he chose to handle Mm-hmm. things, you know, and it wasn't just my kids. It was, it was something that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's hard to know really what, why he chose to handle things that way. Was it the pressure that the church was putting on him to have his family be a certain way? Like, you know, a lot of pressures put on these men. Mm-hmm. to like you make your families be perfect they have to be perfect and so you know that's going to reflect in how they act towards their family members yeah and they also probably don't have um i don't know um like gentle parenting books <laughs> in the community yeah. or youtube able to watch like a parenting expert on youtube <laughs> so it you know it's crazy because like i think about it and it's weird because it, they literally build you up and like they, they dote on you and make you feel like you're so important, but yet at the same time, you're 
crap if you don't do things a certain way. It's the weirdest. So is that the way they would make the wives feel? Is that what you're saying? Anyone. Or the, okay. Anyone. It's literally, that's how it was for us anywhere. Like you, if you're doing exactly what you're supposed to, like you felt like the most cherished, loved, like you meant something to them. And then it was, if you displeased them in any way, it was the total opposite. Like mm. you displeased me. You're, you're not, you know, it's very interesting. It's like one or the other. It was never just, just like neutral sleep yeah. in your life. Just, just like just my life. Yeah. I'm just chilling. <laughs> like it there was, was no never, chilling. In the no, it was either you were doing really great and I'm proud of you and you're amazing or you're nothing like there's yeah. nothing between. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like one extreme to the other. Yeah. If you so, really, yeah. <laughs> so they, so, they, okay. So there's a pretty terrible rumor going around about your husband, not even what well, he's being accused of is pretty terrible. Yeah. Says leave. Now this is where I'm curious in the story. Basically, was it that night that he takes everybody and leaves? Like what yeah. happens? Yep. Yeah, they, they came home and he came to me and was like, we need to talk. And so I went in there and he said, all of us have to go except you. And we're I, packed. this is where my mind is exploding. Why did he say that? That's what they told him. Okay. This is my theory. Then <laughs> if you don't have a theory, I have a theory. Was your dad still an apostle at that time? You know, I don't know. I don't know what his standing was at okay. that time. Cause what I'm wondering is if he had a high rank in the church, was he able to say, look, this man is now an apostate or being exiled or whatever they're labeling him as. I want my daughter to stay so she can remarry someone who's faithful. Is that where, what, what's happening? No, I don't know because I mean, me and my dad, so we can come to that in a second, like a conversation Mm. that my dad and I had after they all left. Okay. Okay. So they, we'll they that. left that night. Um, they packed their stuff up. There was lots of tears. We were all a wreck. I mean, our family yes. is being ripped apart. This was, this was the only, these were my friends, you mm-hmm. know, the, I had learned to literally love these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I can't say I was ever in love with them, with him, mm-hmm. but I, I had grown to love the women and him, they were my mm-hmm. friends. Like yeah. we, we spent time together every single day, you know, yeah. raising our babies together. You like friends. It sounds like you friend zoned him, you know, <laughs> no friends with benefits. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> we're just friends. We're seeing how where things go. <laughs> right. But they were, your, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're your friends and you're and have are now your family and they're being ripped away and what are what's happening to the children um so some of them went to those women's families you know their parents and people that they knew that were that were there that were going Mm -hmm. to be staying there um there was a few that didn't have a place to go right away so I was I stayed there with them for I want to say it was close to two weeks Mm -hmm. um and then they told me I needed to move into my dad's house, which I was not happy with. Because this is church owned the house that you guys are in. Yeah. So is, wanted, at this point, is everything like kind of communal? Yeah. So they wanted to get us out of there and move a family into this big house. They didn't want me and a few kids just rattling around in this massive house. 
this is all very suspicious. So they are, they, they have a family in mind. They want to move into this massive house and like, how else this family's like the better family. So <laughs> we're just going to go plant this like horrific rumor and we're going to kick them out over it. Yeah. That, that's my theory. I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, and it's crazy that week there was so many people that got sent away. Oh, yeah, because the, the issue you were explaining was kind of, and it was all over the same issue. It was a, a big part of it. Yeah. There was so many families being torn apart over it. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. I don't, there was, it was almost that point where you were like, so who is going to stay? <laughs> who's oh. staying? <laughs> like there's yeah. so many people going like, cause then you're left. also weakening the church when you do that, when you're just throwing out so many members. Yeah. This is when Warren Jeffs is in prison though. Yeah. So he's just kind of just screwing with everybody. It sounds like he's just like, <laughs> I'm miserable in prison. And now I'm just going to like banish people just for the hell of it. Yeah. And, and honestly, yeah. sometimes I'm like, was it even him doing it? Like, was it someone else? Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. We don't know Fair that. Point. Like there's no physical proof that you can see him saying so-and-so you did this go away. Wow. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's just your story. You really need to, you need to, you need a movie. You need to make a movie. I'm going to write a book. You need to write a book. Start with that. Okay. Start the book. It's going to be made into a movie. It will 100%. (laughs) Who would star you? I think what actress. (laughs) Sandra Bullock, <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Yeah. You give me major Sandra Bullock vibes. I, I don't know if I even know who she is, to be honest. No, no. This is oh, what's hilarious. Oh, that's right. I have to go I look her up now. This is what's hilarious is like now when, whenever my husband and I are like going to watch a movie or something, it's like, yeah, I don't know who that is. Cause I didn't miss congeniality, <laughs> um, while you were sleeping, um, she's in, so oh, I've heard her name before. You'll love her. She's America's heartthrob. Well, She's America's I, sweetheart. <laughs> I definitely need to go look her up then. <laughs> okay. So you say the family, then you, you, okay. So most of the kids are taken from your husband. Yeah. And they're given to family members. Mm-hmm. And why doesn't he take them with him? He was told not to. And he was, was he told that like legally he couldn't take them? I don't know. I don't know how exactly that went, but he was supposed to leave and leave the kids and just go. So I don't know what there's so much authority for a church to have. Like that's so much power. It's a dangerous amount of authority and power over so many people that really did not know that they could say no, like it's okay to say no. What's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You Mm. know, (laughs) like, You can say, no, I don't want to do that. They're terrified, but they're also, cause I may heard of like the lost boys and mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just like a lot of different, they, there's, they're probably very worried about the consequences that could come from saying no. Um, Sounds like yeah. it can sometimes be extreme. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you move in with your dad and yes, your family. So I moved in with my dad. I lived there for 10 months. Um, that was very rough. My dad and I did not get along at all. Um, Like I told you before, he tried to squish me into this little box that fit a 16 year old without any kids. And here I was a mom, 26 years old with four babies. And there's no way I was going to fit in that box. 
You know, I had a life. I I had experienced things that my dad had no clue of. Because at this point, it had been what, like five, six years? Nine. No, oh, I'm way off. Okay, but nine years away from home. I'm really bad at math. (laughs) So then, nine years away from home. (laughs) Yeah, that's wow. Okay, so now they're basically wanting you to be back to being 14 and yeah, just be my little girl and fashionable. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Act like, let me tell you what to do and how to live your life. Don't ask questions. Just be, do what I tell you. Like that's how he wanted me to be. And I, at that point, I, like I said, I was questioning everything. I was starting to like, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember sitting out on his deck. It was in the fall time and just sitting there. And I remember thinking, I do not want to be here. Mm-hmm. I do not want this life. I will not get remarried here. I don't want my kids to have another guy in their life that I don't feel like is secure. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't pick, I'm not going to go into a marriage where I didn't pick the guy and my kids just have to deal with it, yeah. you know? And I, literally everything just blew up at that point. Was there any explanation why out of everybody, all the, all four wives being sent away with him, that you were made to stay was, was that even an option for you to leave with him? I don't know. I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. They were like, you stay, you go. So that's what you do. You know, you didn't ask questions. There was not asking questions was very frowned on. Mm -hmm. You just didn't do that. Right. You don't, yeah. You don't question the prophet. No, you don't. you don't. You just yeah. do exactly what you're told. And I mean, and I know that there was questions even for them, mm-hmm. you know, even the people leaving, I know that they were like, what is happening? This can't be right. Like we we're leaving our babies. Like why? Yeah. Um, and were you part of you? Like, why is God, why would God want our family separated? Yeah, I was. And I'll tell you what. So a few years previous to that, when the raid in Texas happened, it was the women were fighting to be like back with their babies. That was huge. The mamas and the babies were not supposed to be separated. So they were legally fighting to keep their babies with them. Mm-hmm. And so they went from that, from legally fighting to keep their families together to separating everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's where my question started to come in, where I was like, okay, so you guys, this is like such a double standard. You say fight for your babies one day. And then the next day you're saying, leave them. Like that's what? so confusing. That's yeah, so, it's like, such a mix, mixed messages. Yeah. So that was really where I was like, I don't think, I don't think God really wants us to, to leave our children. Yeah. You know, I don't think that was the plan all along. No, definitely not. Yeah. So now you're just at this point, you've questioned everything. You're tired of being under your father's iron fist. And then what? Um, I started to talk, talk with a guy that was there. He, he was, he had never been married either. Um, or even, I mean, I think that he snuck around and dated like I had when we were much younger. Mm-hmm. Was um, he polygamous? His, his parents were. Yeah. Or sorry. Was he part of that? Was he yeah. FLDS? Yes. He was raised there too. Um, but, but not, never, not an active member of, the, was he? Yeah, he was. He was. was. Yeah. He was very involved actually. Um, I'm not even sure why he was so involved because 
when we started talking and stuff, it went pretty naturally. Like we both decided and we both were involved with each other. What I mean, like we, we sought each other out. We talked with each other. We, Mm -hmm. we snuck around together, you know, you almost Um, had kind of a normal, normal, you know, relationship, but other people got to experience those like feelings of excitement for somebody and love. Yeah, Yeah, we did. And I mean, I thought he was the love of my freaking life. Mm-hmm. I was so smitten. And I mean, it was because it was my first, like, I guess, dating experience, really. Even though I'd snuck out with boys before that, I didn't really get to date them, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I thought I thought that was Was it. he excited too? Because this is probably different for him as well. I, you know, at the time, I thought, I don't know. I, it sure seemed like it, mm-hmm. you know, it sure, it sure did seem like it. I thought that we were going to leave that community, come out here and make a life together. Like that was mm-hmm. my belief. I, I honestly thought that was what was going to happen. I wanted to leave. He seemed like he did too. And so I thought we're just going to leave together and I'm going to, we're going to go and make a family and be together. So did you make a plan to leave together? No, we never really made that plan. So before we were able to even like really make the plan, they found out that we were engaging in conversation. And I think there was a picture that someone found of us kissing. Mm -hmm. And that's as far as our relationship went at that point, kissing. Okay. Um, because we knew if anything else were to happen, we would have to leave. There was just no doubt. Yes. And, and we wanted and to, like make you sure. said, sex, sex yeah, was sex like, was there's no recovering. Table. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I think that we didn't want our relationship to go any further until we knew what we were going to do. Like, mm-hmm. what's our game plan here? Like, what are we going to do? If we get told to leave, what, what are we doing? And so we were both kind of saving up money and trying to like, get that figured out in case that did happen. And it happened much sooner than we ever anticipated Mm -hmm. um, where he was like the bishop called and was like, okay, you need to not talk to your family. You need to like cut ties completely. So that's, yeah, that's that's when you now are being driven out of, driven out of your community, asked to leave the home. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I actually had already put down, um, a down, a down payment deposit. For, uh, yeah. Deposit. Yeah. That's what it's mm-hmm. called. A deposit on a, uh, place in, in a city that was right outside of there. And I, so I rented a little apartment before I was told to not talk to them. Mm-hmm. So, cause I kind of knew that was coming. I knew they, they had found some things out and I, I knew that that was going to come at some point where they were like, Hey, y'all need to quit talking to yeah. your family. Like, don't talk to your mom. Don't yeah. You knew you were going to be being, you were being exiled. Yeah. I knew that. at some point that was going to come up because I had already had some very difficult conversations with my dad mm-hmm. about that. So, oh, you said there was a conversation oh, you had with him that you were going to touch on. Yeah. So it was in regards to when you were asking if my dad had some sway on whether like I was kicked out with my ex-husband or not. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if he did, but the reason I was saying I was going to bring that up is because after 
um, everything, the dust settled and I moved back into my dad's, we had a conversation about my ex and he was like, he was not a good man. And I was like, then why did you let me go join his family? Mm -hmm. Like, if you knew this about him, why would you put me in that position? You know? And he was like, well, he wasn't back. He was a good man then, but he, so my dad, I felt like my dad knew stuff or he Mm -hmm. thought he did. I think Mm -hmm. my, my dad thought he knew things. Sure. You know? So he, cause when he was like, he, you know, he was not a good man. I was like, then why did you, why on earth would you let your 16 year old go with a not good man? Like, right. Right. So maybe things he maybe found out later on. Yeah. Or maybe he thought he did. I don't know. I have no idea what he knew, but he didn't give you any details. Mm -mm. That's all he said. Yes. That's all he said. It's like there's, there's so much secrecy and so much lack of just giving people the full story or the full picture. Yeah. I mean, you can't be, it's because if you're open and honest, like there's no room for error. Yeah. You know, but if you keep people in the dark, you can kind of change up things and make up rules as you go. And like, yeah, oh, actually, very easy to manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just blindfold sure. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So then you get ex- exiled from the community. Your dad helps pack you up and moves with you and that you, you take your children with you at this point. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, at that point I took my kids with me, um, thinking that I was going to have the support of this guy mm-hmm. because I mean, we were in love. Come on, you know, he's going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And so we, we went on like that for a couple of months and, um, was he living with you? No, he, well, sort of like he would, de- he had his belongings were at my house. Like he had his stuff there, but mm-hmm. he traveled for work. Okay. Like he, he would go to like many different places, lots of different places and, and work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would come back every, you know, a couple weeks or whatever and spend the week. And, but we were also kind of secretive too about our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think at the time he was still trying to decide if that was what he wanted as far as like, not me particularly, but if he wanted to try to go back like be received back into the community or if he wanted to continue a life outside of the community. Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of time there where he was like, should I repent and just try to make my way back or what should I do? You know? Yeah. He's having like inner conflict. Yeah. I feel, I feel that now, like looking back, I'm like, wow, that, you know, I think that was a lot of what was going on, but then we went right ahead and decided to go ahead and and have sex. So we did got pregnant like Like immediately. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Like right away, which was a s- huge shock and surprise. Like we did not expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I told you, I like women were not very educated on like sex protection or mm-hmm. anything like Birth that. Birth control or condoms or no. yeah. <laughs> no, it's I know. Like, that, so you just do it and that's yeah, how you do it. How it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know that there were some women that did do birth control, more of a hormone balance type thing. But I didn't know about that. It wasn't Mm -hmm. something I ever needed, I guess. So I never did that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't, I mean, obviously sex gets people pregnant like 
a lot of times. Yeah, a <laughs> lot of times. It is known to happen. <laughs> Not every time, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's pretty common to like get pregnant right away. Yeah. Like, so I don't know why I didn't think, think it through a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I didn't though. It just didn't even comprehend in yeah. my brain that there was like, no, we don't want to get pregnant. I just didn't think about it. And yeah. so I got pregnant and, and then he pretty much with, withdrew himself and everything. As soon as he found out you're like, pregnant, he's immediately, like, I'm out. Yeah, it, it was kind of like, it was pretty, he didn't talk to me for a while. And I was kind of freaking out. Like, what the heck am I going to do? I'm already a single mom of four kids. Like I got, were you working? Oh, no, see, that wasn't, um, I had a job until they told me to quit talking to everyone in the community it was a job for someone there. Oh, so mm-hmm. you basically, you lose your income. Yeah. And you lose your family, you lose your parents you and your community. Yeah. And um, now this guy who you felt like you had this future with mm-hmm. decides to just up and leave and just shirk his, his responsibilities. Life. Yeah. And he only did that for a while there. Mm-hmm. Like he ended up like coming back and being like, Hey, you know, um, I guess you could move in with me. So I went and moved in. He had another apartment in a different city because he was working there. So I moved in with him, let go of my apartment. And I was so like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't you still even, have your children with you at this point. I do have my okay. kids. Um, and I didn't even know how to go about getting a job. Were you guys like back together then at this yeah, point? I, in my mind, boyfriend, we girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my mind, we were, he was telling me to move in with him. You don't move in unless you're. Yeah. And I just roomies. Yeah. Yeah. Pregnant with your baby. And we're just roomies. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was never really a conversation we had. Like, see, that was another thing. I didn't really understand dating, how dating works. Yeah. You just knew you meet someone, you marry them, you have their babies. Like immediately, literally you meet someone and marry them like and have their babies like that's how it works yeah there was no dating etiquette for anything oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah you got a little bit of a different um perception (laughs) yeah so in my head of course we're dating like we're a thing you know you were basically married at this point yeah at this point we should just go sign the papers like let's do this but I did not even know how to get a job. Yeah. Like I had a job at the community, but I didn't get that. Like you do out here where you go in for an interview. Okay. You know how to do it. You're do what you're asking. And here we hire you. It's not like that. It was more of like, yeah, sure. Come work for us. And then I learned how to do it. That's where I learned how to do bookkeeping. Yes. And oh, so- I have a question. I want to, I want to, I want to tell people about your bookkeeping and everything that thankfully you had a, a skill that you could use, but your first time out of the community and you took off your pioneer dress and you put on street clothes or civilian clothes. What was that like? What was the first thing that you wore? The first thing I wore was a pair of low rise boot cut jeans and good choice. Good choice. Yeah, at the time though, those were it. Um, early 2008, then- not early 2000s. Oh, that's way too long ago. It doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> it was 2013. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking Brittany. Well, yeah, it was kind of Brittany's era, right? Yeah, it was kind of uh, Kind era. of. I mean, she was still pretty. Um, Low rise. Yeah. 
So I were I, I I went and bought me a really nice pair of jeans. It was like sixty dollars. Ooh, I, I don't was, even buy sixty dollar pairs of jeans. Mine are always like time, twenty at Walmart. <laughs> right. I I wanted some nice jeans, so I went and got me some, and I loved them. I wore that, and then a if I remember right, it was like kind of a lacy sweater type thing. Wow. What and, yeah. and did you put makeup on? I didn't wear makeup for a long time. Okay. And you probably wouldn't even know quite how that worked. Maybe. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really. The only makeup I wore for the longest time was mascara. Yeah. Oh, and you took, and you took your garments off too, yeah. which was probably a yeah. big deal. Did you yeah, wait until to. you left the community to do all that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I wore my dresses for a few months actually until I was so pregnant that I couldn't, then I mm-hmm. had to change my style up. Oh, so you were wearing the getup until until you kind of were forced out of not wearing I, it anymore. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I had, I would, I think. So I you're pregnant of, wearing low rise jeans. Dang yeah. Girl. Well, I think that I kind of, um, went between the two a little bit there okay. for a while. Like I'd still wear the dresses, but I'd still also wear the jeans. Um, that's pretty Did you tough. feel so weird. Cause you're now a civilian or just like you're a, in the mainstream society and you're wearing the the dress. Did that feel weird or was it more weird wearing? It was more weird clothes? wearing a dress. Um, obviously you got attention, not the kind of attention you want. Yes. You know, it, it was, and you're in Utah. So it's like that knowing attention of like, everyone knows, everyone knows where you're from. You know, you're FLDS. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for a while I switched between the two. Um, and yeah, I did that when I was pregnant for a little while. Obviously I couldn't like finish wearing mm. them clear throughout the pregnancy, but um, yeah. Oh, okay. That's to me, that would be just really exciting getting to like kind of play dress up. So to speak, it was, I went and spent yeah. a lot of money on clothes afterwards, like a lot. Yeah. I you're probably like a thousand dollars on just jeans and shirts. Yeah. Like I was having fun. It was fun. And probably like in the summertime too, you don't have to wear like eight layers. That probably <laughs> felt amazing. Did you let your hair down? When was the first time you let your hair down and it wasn't a braid? You know, I think I actually started doing that before I changed my style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I started letting my hair down before I was like, okay, I need to wear jeans. Yeah. You let that your hair funny. down, then you really let your hair down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's really good. That's like, that'd be like the, the, I don't know. I, that's like a scene from a movie trying one, <laughs> you know, street clothes for the first time, letting your hair down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to you had a skill. So it kind of, you got very lucky in that sense because you actually had something that you could do to help provide for yourself because you were a bookkeeper for your yeah. husband's business or your ex-husband's business. Right. It, when I was the bookkeeper, he wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, that's when you said, did you work? No, I didn't work when he was there. I became the bookkeeper of his business after he left. Okay. So he hired he, you? Is that? No, no, he didn't take his company with him. Oh, cause he had to leave it to the church. Yeah. He Ooh, left, burn yeah. Ow. <laughs> he oh, left a very, awful. very successful business to the church and I needed a job. And so I was like, you guys hire me. Mm. Um, so they did, they hired me. I worked there, made, made money there, was able to provide for my. Okay. My this kid. is while you're leaving in the community. Yeah. Living, living, yeah, living there. And, and while I left too, I, even after I left, I stayed working for them for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Until they called me and were like, "Hey, no more," and that's when I freaked out. I was like, "If I don't have this income, 
what income am I going to have? Like they just cut I'm, you off and they're, yeah. they're trying to make you desperate because you were saying they were wanting your children to come back to the community. Is that right? Right. Right. I think that was their way of like pushing me over the edge and being like, Hey, I, I, I surrender, come get them. Cause were you, uh, were they asking for the children before that? It wasn't asking. It was more of my dad calling me up. You know, you're taking your kids to hell in the handbasket by making this mm-hmm. choice. Like you're going to have to pay for this in the next life. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of manipulation that way. So I, you know, of course was like, oh my gosh, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. I am going to hell for this. And after I was basically just pushed to it, like where I called him up and I was like, I want my kids to go live with my mom. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that my mom would love them to pieces. She'd already raised a lot of kids her of her own, yeah. you know, at this point, her baby was older than my oldest. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, she could take care of them. And so they did, they came and got them and yeah, that was, that was tough. Was it just, were you just a mess when they came to get them? Yeah, I, I was, I sat, so they came to my apartment and I just sat there in my empty house and, uh, I had a friend there with me. She was wondering what the heck I was thinking. Mm-hmm. What, like, why, why now, why now are you giving up your babies? You know, she could and not, you're just, you're just scared. Cause you're feeling like you're, you want them to go to heaven still, yeah. but still indoctrinated in you. Yeah. And then you also want them to be financially provided for. And now you've been cut off from your own. Yeah, and I'm at this time I'm pregnant and I'm not getting support from the person that got me there. Mm -hmm. And I was cut off from my job. I, I literally, are you living with him at the time? Not yet. I, I was literally going to, this is, this was what we had decided that they were going to come get the kids. And then I was going to move in with him and try to use that as a launching pad to get on my feet. Okay. To like get to where I could go get them again. You know, that was my plan. Mm-hmm. Even though going to get them at that time was like, ah, I still feel so awful for doing that. Like at that time, I thought I was being a bad person to even think about that, mm-hmm. but it was still my plan all along. It was like, I, I can't be without my babies, mm-hmm. you know? And so I moved in with him and I think I lived there for two months from November to the end of December, I believe. And, um, I moved, so I moved in there for a couple months during that time, my car got repoed and it just finances just were getting worse and worse and worse. And he was getting really, really distant, like extremely distant to me. And I was fighting for this relationship. And I just wanted us to be a family. I could not figure out for the life of me, why he did not want that. Yeah. You know, right. And you're praying with his baby. Like, why are you trying to make this add up? Like I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, and the thing that's so crazy is before all of this, him and I used to romanticize about having a child, a baby girl. We would always talk about it. It was like this thing that we both wanted at some point in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then when it happened, it was like, no, I don't want that. And I was like, it was just talk for him. Yeah. And, I'm like, yeah. wow. You know, he so didn't I, have any, did he not have any children at this no, point? Okay. No. And so, um, he bought me a one-way flight to Colorado 
that's where my brother lived at the time. And I called, I had not talked to my brother for, I want to say three years, but it it may have been four. I don't know. It was a while, a few years. Mm. He left before we, I did. And he had a place in Colorado and we hadn't even talked yet. And he was like, I I think your brother's in Colorado. Find out. I'm going to buy you a one-way flight. You're going to fly over there this weekend. So I got in contact with my brother. He was like, I guess, yeah, sure. Come stay at my house. And I was, I don't even know what he thought, honestly. (laughs) He was very kind and and, uh, let me stay there for a short amount of time. And then I was able to get my car back. And at that point, I found a job. It was selling life insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's a difficult gig. Yeah. Cause it's commission, right? It's commission. And oh, hard. You're, well, and when you're so like sheltered and shy and you mm-hmm. don't even know how to like really have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. like that is not a job. I mean, right. sales. You, oh my God. I guess I can't say that's not a job for someone like that because it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And yeah, I, maybe it was good for you in a way. Maybe it was, you know, <laughs> It really did. I I got so far out of my comfort zone. I did that until I was two weeks from having my little girl. And so hold on while you're working this job, I think I remember you telling me it was like a travel job. So you were kind of traveling different places. It was all over Colorado. And so you were living out of your car. Yes. Um, and you're almost basically you're nine months pregnant. Yeah. Sleeping in the backseat of the car or what, where are you sleeping? Yep. So I would what I would do, because I was trying to save up money to get my, um, get me a place and get my kids and all this stuff. So I didn't want to get a hotel every night. That's a waste of money. And it was obviously too far. The the places in Colorado that this company would send me was way too far away from my brother's house to go stay at his house every night. So I would drive all over Colorado. And I mean, I'm to, this is in the dead of winter, by the way, in Colorado, February, March, yeah, you're sleeping it, in your car in the winter. Did you have a heater going while you were um, sleeping? So what I would do is I would like heat my vehicle up and then turn the vehicle off and go to bed until it would get way too cold. And mm-hmm. then I'd turn the car on for a little while, get it heated up and just like I was up and down all This all sounds night. absolutely miserable. It was. And the bigger I got, like the more pregnant I got, the <laughs> the harder it got. Cause like getting in the back, like I didn't want people to know I was sleeping in my car. So I didn't climb in the back of my vehicle mm-hmm. from the back. I would climb in there from the side or the front. And I just had all the seats laid down mm-hmm. and I just had like lots of blankets and pillows and tried to make it comfortable. Were you just absolutely depressed during this phase of your life or were you, oh, have, yeah. did you have hope? Uh, I mean, of course I had hope. My plan was to get out of like the situation I was in Mm -hmm. and save up money, get myself a place. Girl, you are amazing. (laughs) I mean, the fact that you're just like, um, do basically doing this on your own and you're like, I'm not going to get a hotel. I'm nine months pregnant, but I want to save money so I can get an apartment. And you're such an inspiration. Well, I think you know, when people are like, well, what was your, why, what's your, why it during that time, it was my babies. Mm-hmm. That was the, I mean, they, I knew they needed me. I needed them. And yeah. we were meant to be back together as a family. And that was the driving force behind everything that I did, you know? So you're two weeks away from having this baby. You finally save up enough money to get an apartment. 
Yep. And, and so during this time too, living in my car, there were, we still, I still had contact with the person's, the, the guy, the guy that I was pregnant. Okay. Yeah. We still had contact, not physical contact. Like he, he only came and saw me one time during that whole six, seven month period. Sounds like a peach, real winner. <laughs> right. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? Like, Sorry. You- hope, hope none of your kids are around. <laughs> what the actual they, F? They, they hear me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Green. No, no, they hear me talk like Oh, okay. Okay. Good. No apologies. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet you're enough. There's words that come out of my mouth. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. There are worse things than bad words in life. That's for sure. So, right. but yeah, what the actual F? So, so you're in contact. He knows you're living in your car. Yeah. He knew that I was staying in my car during this time. And it's funny. Cause he'd be like, why don't you just go try to date people? And at the time I was like, why would you tell me to date people? Like what? I'm pregnant. But like, also you're, yeah, yeah. You're pregnant. Freaking massive. Like that was like the last thing on my mind, you know? Oh my God. Oh <laughs> my so- God. I'm so sorry, but you are, <laughs> uh, you like are seriously amazing. I can't believe you're just like, I'm going to freaking do it. And you, yeah, didn't I, I didn't see it as an option, to be honest. It was no. not, am I going to, it was, I have to. So you're a hard worker, girl. You're that's, <sighs> I don't think there's very many people put in your position who would have just been able to thrive. I'm, I mean, I don't know if thrive's the right word because you're living in your car, but been able to like I'm surviving. You survive. That's the right I was word. surviving. You are thriving yeah. now. You eventually thrive. Yeah, I am thriving now. That's for sure. Yes. So. You were surviving. You were getting by, but I don't think yeah. there's any many people who would have been able to just get by the way you did. Right. And you know, and I've had people be like, did you ever just think about like you know, an alternative, like doing drugs or something to make this easier, mm-hmm. you know, and I mm-hmm. was like, well, no, I was pregnant for one. I wasn't going to put my baby in that. Yeah. I, I literally loved my baby so much. Like mm-hmm. I would have, you know, done anything to make sure that I could have her in a stable environment by the time I had her. That was, that was another thing pushing me as I, I was always saying I'm a ticking time bomb. I have to be in a position where I can take care of this child, you know, were you aware of any like state resources that you may have been able to get at the time? I knew that they, I knew about them. I knew that there was, I mean, I think I had Medicaid at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you at least you could deliver your baby without. Yes. I got it. Someone somewhere. It's probably my brother's girlfriend at the time was like, were you going to appointments for your, for, okay. So you, okay. Yeah. So you had the, okay. Got it. Yeah. I had a really great midwife that, that I went to there mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, and I know that she, she didn't know the the whole story, but I know she knew there was something up because I would always break down. I would always break down and just sob my eyes out at every point. <sighs> and it's like, someone's listening. It must've been so lonely though. Cause it, it's not like you're in a position where you can really socialize and make friends and meet people. You're living in your car and working your ass off. Yeah. And it's not, and I really didn't want people to know. I did yeah. not want people. It was so, I was just at such a low point in my life. I did not want people to know how low of a place it was. Like I just played it off. I, I acted like everything was fine, you know, and, and I'm not, 
I had a shower when I was in town, I'd go to my brother's house and Mm -hmm. I would sleep on his guest room bed, you know? And so that was what I called home. I Mm -hmm. I made people believe that I lived there. You lived there. Yeah. Yeah. When that was not definitely not the case. Yeah. Cause I didn't want people to be like, Oh, she's living in her car pregnant. Like there's reason for Girl, you, you need, you need a move. You need to write a movie, like (laughs) everything you're saying, like, holy crap, someone, someone I'm pitching this to somebody. I don't know. I'm going to help you make this into a movie. I'm going to help you find someone to produce this. I already have the cover of my book planned out. Can you believe that? Oh, I know. I can't can't wait to see it. This has kind of like been getting my gears going. Like I need to do this. You do. I mean, seriously, your story is fascinating and it's one of like heroism because you didn't like cave to the pressures of your family and of like, you didn't resort to drugs and like ruining your life. You you made something of your life. That's the beautiful part. I do feel like in a way I did cave though. I feel like the only part of my story that sometimes it comes up and I do feel a little about it is that I did let my children go back home. That's the part where I'm like, now, now that I know what I know now, it's like, Mm gosh, yeah. there were so many resources. If I had just known yeah, about but you them, didn't, yeah. I didn't know. And you, you weren't, know? you weren't educated about the resources no. intentionally. You were left to not be educated about being able to figure those types of things out. Like even what school, um, district, like mm-hmm. how do you get a daycare? How do you put the kids in public school? How do you, you know, all of these things, yeah. like how, how do you, you're figuring yeah. it out. I mean, you were doing the very best you could. And I mean, it, if you had a lot of people trying to work against you with yeah. the children and yeah. you gave them temporarily to people who could take care of them while you got on your feet and could take them back. And I think that's what is the most important part of the story. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I'm glad that they were somewhat safe, mm-hmm. you know, um, after I had the, my little girl and was in a, my apartment and all that, I did make a friend. Like mm-hmm. I told you, she, um, that she was the one that like brought everything up and was like, girl, like you, you need to look this stuff up on the internet. Like you come over yeah. to my house. I you needed some- a mentor. You yeah. needed a mentor. And you I kind did. Of, it sounds like you and, sort of found one a little you bit. Know, and she really was like, she had been through a lot of things in her life. And so she was great for that. And she, she did. She was like, come over to my house. Let's have, let's make some Italian dinner and have some wine and we'll just hang out. And I have some stuff to show you. So I went over there and she did, she laid it all out there and I was freaking mind blown. Like, I was like, what is this? And they were just resources for your children or what? No, this was the things that went on in the community that I had no idea because you, okay. Because you were still like, there was still a little bit of hope. You still were very much indoctrinated into, you know, from the church. And so even though you were out, there was part of you as well with your children who were like, maybe they're right. Maybe I am damning my children to hell. So yep. Uh, yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. It, it makes so, so much sense. You just didn't yeah. have the knowledge at that time. Yeah. So when she like showed it to me and I was like, Whoa, wait a second, this was actually happening in our community. No way. You know? And then wow. I just was a mess. The very next day I got on the phone and I was like, 
I talked to a pastor and he knew an attorney down here that was like ready to help me. Wow. So you got an attorney. How did you fund? How did you fund having the attorney? She did it pro bono. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Like that person is, I know I still still have amazing Facebook every once in a while. Be like, hi. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because that was probably not an easy case to try to get involved with. Yeah. I don't think it was. And I think that since mine, I think that she's actually helped a few other people as well because she's good at it and she's older. Like, I think she's actually retired too. Mm -hmm. And so she just did it for like, I just to help. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so you met with an attorney and the, the specifically the reason for this was because you wanted to get your children back. Yes. And had you signed papers over? Cause I, you said your, your dad was trying to fight for power of attorney over the children. Yes. I had signed a power of attorney previous to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, at the time the attorney was like, that's not going to hold up in court. A power of attorney is literally like, you can dissolve that so fast, like as the parent. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So that was not the hard part. The hard part was being able to go to my dad and be like, Hey, I want my kids back and not have him hide them from me. So total time from start to finish of getting your children back was what? A year and a half. Well, a year and a half, year and a half that we were separated. And did you, and you went to court and you had to go to court over them. So we started to, we started to go to court, but then everything just kind of fell into place. And they probably didn't want to spend the money on lawyers like, and I don't think knowing they don't have a leg to stand on at that point. Yeah. And I don't think anyone really wanted to go to court. Like n- not my dad, not my ex, not me. Uh, none of us really wanted to, but it was almost like a necessary step to like kind of get things in position to where the kids were in a safe place. Everything, you know. Like, here's the difference between my dad having my kids and me having my kids. If my dad came around and was like, I want to be an awesome grandpa and be in your kids' lives, that's a conversation I'd be willing to have. Mm -hmm. Where the other way around, no, you can't talk to your kids. You can't anything with your kids. You know, it's, and so going to court was definitely something that we had to like, kind of put in motion, I guess, to get things to get figured out. Yeah. Or it kind of forced them into it. Yeah. Like it, it kind of did. Everything started to go into place and I was able to put the kids in a decent school. And now, you know, like with their dad, it's pretty civil. Were you living in, so at this point, by the time you got them back, you had a job, you were still doing life insurance. Nope. I had quit that job and I moved down here to Utah and I started taking care of elderly people. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I would go to work for three days straight, like overnight and everything. And I just had an in, in, in home nanny that would come Mm -hmm. and stay with my kids. And I would go take care of elderly people for three days in a row. And then I'd come home and be home for four days. And what happened to the, this other guy, the, the baby's daddy Um, kind of disappear once the baby came or, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, no. So he was actually at the baby's birth. Okay. Um, he left like six hours after and we didn't see him till she was close to, I think a month old. And then we visited, but it was a very short. And like I said, there was this unspoken, like distance growing between us. It was very weird. Mm -hmm. Like, and Mm -hmm. I I could never really put my finger on it. I knew something was off. Mm -hmm. Like, why couldn't he just 
be a family. Like what yeah, kind of commit wasn't committing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just the weirdest thing to me. I could never quite figure it out. And so he would come and go, like he would go on his jobs, come and he'd visit and make me feel like he gave a crap, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> and buy me things. And we'd go on these trips and he would do things for me. Mm-hmm. And then he'd disappear again for like a month and go to work. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just never made sense why he always wanted to just work, 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 work. And when my baby was two, I, I'm like, I got it. I need answers. Yeah. Cause what, wait, a- when, when he was around, were you guys together? Like, yeah, yeah. A couple? He would, yeah. He would stay at my house. We would, we would go spend time together. We would date. I, I thought that we were a, a thing. It goes going to turn into something or it was well, something. I thought we yeah. were something. I just thought that he was working away from home. A lot of guys do that. They work away mm-hmm, from home. Mm-hmm. They come home and spend a few weeks and yeah. then they go back to work. Uh, there's people that do that all the and time. This is probably more attention than you're getting to the, from the first guy. So yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it was in my mind, I thought I was his only one and he was my <laughs> only one. So we had a thing going and I thought it was all good and dandy. And, um, <sighs> Then he tells me, I'm like, okay, I need answers. Something is not right in my gut. I feel it. There's something off with you. And he said, there's something about me that you don't know. And I need to tell you. And for some reason just popped in my head. And I said, how old is he? And I don't even know what I was talking about. And he was like, just a couple weeks younger than your baby. And I was like, what you, so I'm like, okay, so you actually do have another kid. He had been living a double life that entire time. He had two families. He had two families. Yep. Two babies, wow. just a few weeks apart. And I, and I, I'm thinking he's raised polygamous. So he's yeah. like, all like in his mind, maybe it's not that big of a deal. It wasn't. And that's actually what he told me. He's like, because we were from there, I thought he's like, I actually thought the two of you would find out sooner and just decide to live together. What did the, what did this woman say? Did she say anything? Right. We haven't really had a conversation. So that, so was that, that with him? Pretty much. Yeah. I, at that point, well, at first I was like, no, we have been through so much together. We can fight through this. We will still figure this out. I was so Mm. tenacious, I guess you'd say, Mm -hmm. just like, we're going to do this. And then you were tenacious about everything in your life, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm fighting for this. (laughs) And so, but when I realized how unhealthy that would actually look like, I was like, I can't even think like I, at the time I had been so head over heels for this guy thinking he was all mine Yeah. to all of a sudden he has babies with another person. The very same time we're having our baby. I was like, yeah, no, I can't do it. And so I took on life at that point as a single mom of five babies. Was he helping financially at all? At first? No. Mm-mm. At first he, well, I can't say not completely. There was a time or two here and there where I was like, Hey, I can't even think about making rent right now. Yeah. Like, like I, can you tell I'm me glad you said something? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah. The, so what there a, was a time when he didn't. What about the, your first husband? Was he helping out financially at all? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. He's pretty much always been very supportive that way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, After I had the kids anyway, like Mm -hmm. once I had the kids in my care and all of that, he's been very supportive that way. And like I said, like things are pretty civil with us, Mm -hmm. like with both dads, actually, like we, we just, it's just better to keep it that way for everyone involved. You know, did husband one ever want you to come and join him once you left? Um, there was a few times he did bring it up where he was like, you know, when you came out here, why didn't you just come find me? And I just, I don't think he understood where I was at. Like, I don't want this lifestyle for one. (laughs) I didn't find you because I don't want to be a plural wife. Yeah. You realize that people had monogamy. There was something special about being monogamous Mm -hmm. and that you were enough. You were enough for a man. Yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted that. I wanted to be enough for, I wanted to be enough for a man to the point where he didn't have to have other women. Yeah. And enough for yourself. You were enough for yourself because you made it on your own with having children, having a baby, like you fought to be able to sustain yourself by yourself. So not just enough for a man, but you're just enough for yourself. Yeah. Well, more than anything, I wanted to be enough for my children. I wanted them to never yes. doubt me, you know, and like when I went and got them, I didn't want them to ever even once have a question in their mind. Was mom going to send us back? Mm-hmm. Is mom going to, is mom going to leave us again? Like mm-hmm. I never wanted that to be something that they ever had to wonder. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really had to set myself up to not ever have that be an option. That would just, uh, I bet you were just, your heart was just like breaking while they were away. Every, I can't even tell you, like, I can probably count on one hand, the time, the days I did not cry. Like I would, I told you I had to drive long distances to do this insurance job. And I would literally just drive down the road, bawling my eyes out and just driving, just crying. Like, yeah, you're like listening to Dido and like crying music and just cry. I'm like, it was, (sighs) I, I mean, I didn't. I can only imagine they, there was days that they did the same thing, you know, when the baby came, um, did you have people around? I mean, you said your that second dude came for a few hours. Did you, one, what did you do financially? Once the baby came, did you take time off? Did you get any yeah. kind of support financially? Yeah. Uh, he, so he actually did support me a, quite a bit there for a few months. It wasn't too long. Um, yeah, he did. And I did have money saved up as well from my job. Like that was the whole plan was so that I could have my baby and ended up being an emergency Mm C-section. And, um, it turned into, they somehow something they used at the hospital was, um, a dirty tool or something. So I got a super bad infection. Wow. And, um, was like laid up, you know, a C-section is a pretty major surgery anyway, mm-hmm. but I was laid up for like a month in the hospital or just at, no, home? at home. They wanted to readmit me. I had who was supporting home. you? Like who was, was some, there somebody there helping you and the baby? Okay. So I had a roommate, but she was going through a very severe case of, um, abuse with her mm-hmm. husband at the time. So they were still married, but she would come stay at my house here and there. So it was one of those things where she'd be there sometimes. And then sometimes she wouldn't, Mm -hmm. um, her healing from surgery, you're healing from an infection. 
And yeah. you have kind of this unreliable roommate that's sometimes helping, but also super probably mopey and depressed. Yeah, like that we, so kind of <gasps> we were relying on each other a lot. You know, there was one time I came home, I think right before I had the baby and she was sitting on the front porch and she was all bruised up. Her husband had like beat her, you know? And so we just sat there. I was big and pregnant and she was all broken up and we just sat there on the front porch and cried together. Like we were just, we were both a huge mess. But I think at the time it was exactly what we both needed to get through what we were going through at the time. Um, But uh, what was I? Oh, so I had another younger brother that came into town and he slept on my couch for about a week during that time. And I would just have him hand me the baby and Mm. just do little things for me here and there. And like he, I don't think he knows to this day, like how badly I needed him there. Like, I, I wish I was around. Like, I just wish I could, you know what I mean? I just want to go back in time and like hug you and help you with your baby. <laughs> That's just like the hardest time in a woman's life is like right after that baby comes. I cannot imagine right. not having like that support system in place. Yeah. You are incredible. Seriously. Well, you are incredible. You have to know that. <laughs> I, I mean, I do. It's, it's just, it's weird. Cause sometimes I look back on it and I'm like, wow. Like, I am so grateful to just not be in that place. Yeah. Like, you know, to, so it was after I had gotten all my kiddos back and we went through the whole custody thing, I actually moved back to Colorado Mm -hmm. after, after Mm -hmm. all of that. And, um, that's where I met my husband is at a job that I had there. Okay. And, uh, you had your kids back at the time. I had my kids back. I was working this really, it was a really good job. I, I really. I was pretty close with the owner of the, mm-hmm. of the company. And he, he was an older guy and he, he was kind of the father figure in my life there for a little bit. Like if I was dating some guy that was not like, not to my standards, I'd talk to him about it. And he'd be like, dump him. Yes. Everyone needs somebody like that in their life. Yeah, he was like, it's not worth your time. Just dump him. And so like, there was a few times where I'd be like, okay, so I started dating this guy and I'd tell him something. He's like, ah, just dump that guy. so it was really nice to like have that for a while you know and then I mean I had already met my husband at this time but we weren't dating yet we yeah. we were friends for a year yeah before we dated and then mm-hmm. we dated for about a year and then we just went and got married you're incredible. So you has your family any of your it sounds like a couple of your brothers maybe have stepped away from the FLBS church has anybody else left the community since then or yeah so um after I moved back to Colorado you're like a trailblazer aren't you for your family (laughs) it was because it was like where am I gonna thrive where where are we all going to thrive the Mm -hmm. best you know so I would just go where I felt there was the best opportunities for me and my kids you know and so I was the first of the girls to leave uh, my family um, so I had, to, you'd so had I a had, brother, one brother who I had, had well, I actually time. had the two brothers, but, okay. but the one I went and lived with moved clear to Colorado and was clear out. The other one was still living in the community, just not with the family. He was mm-hmm. doing his own thing. So mm-hmm. that's, so two brothers had technically left, but one moved clear away. Wow. So, um, yeah. So after, so when I moved, started moving back to Colorado, the second time is when my mom and my sister started to like 
kind of wiggle their way back out or out. Your mother did then. Yes. So she's that's probably a whole story in itself. It is. She's 60 years old and like good for her. She's a, she's incredible for real. Like coming so far, she's come so far over the last five years. And you guys are all in contact and see each other. And she just lives right down the street from me. Yeah. So look at you, you took a (laughs) risk on leaving like your entire community and then you end up rebuilding this and your family comes and follows you. Sometimes people need that one person who's like, there's a better way. Yeah, There's a different way and I'm going to so. take a risk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. You know, and yeah, I would not have thought in a million years that my mom would ever leave. She just mm-hmm. seemed so like into it when she was there. I was like, there's no way my mom will ever at any point be like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm not living this life. Mm-hmm. But she did, you know, and she, that's like a whole other podcast. I feel like, I feel like I could get her story for days. Yeah. Oh, so then, and then you had other siblings that followed them. Yeah. There was like all of my mom's kids are out except three. Yeah. So that's amazing. Okay. I could like, I could literally talk to you all night and I have literally talked to you all night. I know. I'm like, (laughs) I know it, it, I'm for one, I'm really sorry that we, I have kept you this long. No, it's okay. I don't mind. Your story is amazing. (laughs) It's like, you'd say you you give like one layer and then there's like eight layers behind that. And it's It's like, I feel like I could keep talking. I have so many questions. I literally could just keep talking to you and talking I know. You and talk to you. I, we'll have to like, go get coffee sometime. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Yes. It's, I, when you told me you lived in my town, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, girl, we're going to, we're meeting up for coffee. I, could, I seriously could talk to you all day. I, find I know. Well, that's why the book, me writing a book comes in handy. Cause there are so many, like, I'm like, when I, when people read my book, I want them to feel what I was feeling in that moment. Yeah. You know? So, yes, I, I, I know, I know. And, and that's why I think there's so many details that obviously we would have to talk for like eight hours longer right. to get all of, all of it. And <laughs> I can't wait until you write that book. When you yeah. write that book, I will blast the crap out of it all over <laughs> every platform I have because yeah, this is a story that needs, that needs to be told. Okay. All right. So, so give me a, where are you now in life? So, I mean, honestly at the, in the best place ever. Like I, I honestly cannot be in a better place. I'm so grateful. Just, uh, we have several businesses that, I mean, that's what I do. I just, I make businesses, I build businesses and my husband's the same way. Um, you're an entrepreneur. You are yeah, a self-starter. Like, I mean, like that's obvious from your yeah, entire story. That's just how life is just taken us that way, you know? And, um, so my husband and I opened our first business the year we met or the, yeah, the year we did started dating, actually, we've opened our first business and started doing the bookkeeping full time. Mm-hmm. He was in a work accident. So it worked out. We both just were at home and that was our first business. And since then we've started others. I have a clothing boutique called pink valor mm-hmm. and that was super cute. I've been yeah, I started, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I started that as a, it was more of like for years, every woman there had to wear certain things, mm-hmm. you know? And so that clothing boutique was more of like, 
whatever. I get to wear whatever I want. Yes. And, you know, it's so empowering. That, oh, I yeah, love it was that. more of yes. like, you know, if you want to feel cute and wear whatever you want, like that's a place to go to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the reason I started that was more of just, it's finally your choice. Yeah. It's your taste, your choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's real. You have some really, really cute stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of like, if you want to ever like, if anybody's ever like, so what, what is CC's like style and vibe? That's, that's totally it right there. That's you. Yeah. You discovered yourself. See, yeah. I'm telling you. That's so, a movie. so that's, I'm, by the way, I'm going to blast all your links out and whatever blinks okay. I can put in, in the podcast notes, I'll put them all there. So just mm-hmm. audience you want, go support her, support everything she's doing. How could you not after hearing the story? It's just <laughs> everything she's doing, go and do it. Okay. So you got the clothing started that business. What what was the next one? And then the other one is at um, hemp health and wellness, because I mean, after having six babies, of course, it's going to have wear and tear on your body. And um, I am huge into trying to keep ourselves healthy rather than getting sick all the time and going to the doctors and, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and with five or not five, but six babies, Mm -hmm. it's a lot to like, keep that many people healthy all the time. So I, that's when I got involved into the health and wellness business and Mm -hmm. became an ambassador for them. And just, that's kind of my, that's actually my main gig right now. Yeah. That's your main main passion right now. And your first, and your first one you mentioned is bookkeeping, right? Yeah. Bookkeeping, which we still do. We still kept that. You kept doing that, um, Mm -hmm. through it. Well, like what a skill and who would have thought that that would be the skill that you brought out into the real world. Right. Like, you know, and at first I didn't even realize it was a skill. Like I, I was just like, yeah, I know how I never thought I could go start a business and actually do that. And I, so I didn't for a long time. It wasn't Mm -hmm. until like three, four years ago. You're a risk taker, girl. You are such a risk taker and it's panning out for you. (laughs) Sometimes it's scary. I'm like, Oh, uh, is this a good idea? But you know, this is what I keep telling myself and everyone around me. I'm like, nothing great was ever born out of comfort zones. Like absolutely, you stay in your comfort zone. You're not ever going to learn anything new or, you know, be a better version of yourself. You're always just going to be like, no, I'm too scared. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, come on. Like you you don't grow. You don't grow when you stay in your comfort zone. That's for sure. I'm always saying, just get out of your own way get out of your own way and just mm. try stuff. Yeah. If it doesn't turn out, what, what are you going to lose really? Right. And so you have now a total of six kids. So that mm-hmm. means you have one with your current husband, right? Yep. yep. That's amazing. Oh, that's yep. such, and you have such a beautiful life and you have so much ambition and tenacity and your story is a story that needs to be heard. I'm so grateful to you that you wanted to come on and you were willing to come on uh, and talk to me. And thanks for talking to me for like three hours. That's, you're amazing. So last thing, I'm not going to do the audience questions because you've answered basically everything. Although yeah. somebody was wondering if um, sisters' wives have threesomes and you can go ahead and clarify, clarify what how that's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, that is not allowed. Um, it never, I mean, if it ever was there, it was not for us. Like I can't speak for everyone. So, you know, and that's, that's the thing is when I share something, it was my experience only. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was for other people, but that was never a deal, a thing that we did ever. And, ever. but the, but did the church say no? Like, did the church have like 
the, that in place saying, you know, I don't know if they did. I think so. I think there mm-hmm. was guidelines like, yeah, you don't do that, but that was just, it never came up when yeah. I think there, there's a misconception there for some people. They think, oh, multiple wives. I'm like, no, it's not no, really it's not like, like that. that. Yeah, it's definitely not yeah. like that. They not have separate days and yeah, mm-hmm. separate rooms and yep. all that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, that was one burning question that a lot, <laughs> actually quite a few people have. So <laughs> that's funny. What are some of the takeaways that you hope that people like? What, what do you hope people will gain from hearing your story? Honestly, one of the biggest things is you can change your situation. You are not stuck there. If it's bad and you don't love it and you are unhappy there, and especially if someone is mistreating you, even if that's emotional, emotional abuse is just, it's horrible. You know, any kind of abuse is not, you should not be tolerating it. You can better your situation. Like there's always another option. What's worse, like staying in a bad situation or starting over starting over and just taking the risk for something that's better yeah you took the risk and ever you had every reason to like flee back you know or you know go back to your community or you know but you didn't yeah and it's just that's a story that is worth hearing that you persevered and you Mm -hmm. came out on top yeah And I think more women need to real, like, honestly, women are so powerful. Mm -hmm. They don't even realize it, you know? Hell yeah, we are. And it's like, hell yeah, we are. I think that more people need to realize, like when you're in that situation, like you do have a voice, you just got to use it. Like, and for sure, change your situation. You can, you can do it. It's, it's hard. Yes. I'm not going to sit there and say it's easy to do. It's not. Oh yeah. I can't, I can only imagine you heard it. You can change your situation guys. And I mean, living proof right here. You're so amazing. CC. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm going to put up all your links guys go support everything she's doing right now. Um, she's get behind everything she's doing. Cause you know, she's an absolute badass. So thank you for talking to me and have a merry, merry Christmas. You too. Thank you so much. 